Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, did you watch the Hawks and the Bucks? Did it blow your mind? If you didn't watch the Hawks and Bucks, or if you came in too late, and the, I don't want to say the good stuff because it wasn't good, but the interesting stuff, the bizarro stuff, the mind-blowing stuff had already happened. Or maybe you just read about it, saw some highlights later, read something on the web, saw something on Twitter. Did it blow your mind? We can sit around and analyze and make predictions, but if the basketball god's going to roll, roll uh, snake eyes and uh, boxcars, double sixes, and all these bizarro things are going to keep happening, who can predict anything? Who knows what to expect next? We were sitting here talking yesterday morning. Milwaukee looks like they're in charge, and if Trey Young is out, well, then what shot does Atlanta have? And... Milwaukee comes out and honestly reminded me of the way Phoenix started the last game in the uh, game five in the Western Finals. Milwaukee had no sense of urgency. They were on the road for whatever that matters. But still, they should have come out better. And they weren't good in the first quarter. And I thought they were worse in the second. And then in the third quarter, just as they seemed to be getting a mo- some mojo, playing with a little fire, but they're still down by 10. Giannis Antetokounmpo hyperextends his left knee, and usually when someone hyperextends it that badly, there's ligament damage. That's straight on hyperextension, I would guess ACL. I'm not a doctor. I got no info, but that's what pops in my brain when I see it because I tore my ACL, and that's how it happened. And I've been watching sports, and especially football and basketball more than other sports, but those two sports, you see that hyperextension, that straight back, and it's usually the ACL. It's not always, so there's no, there's no guarantees until we hear something you know, later today or tomorrow, but it looked really bad. And nobody really wanted to say anything on the broadcast, but I'm sure they were thinking it, you know, and you want to wait and hear from the doctors and all of that. But Giannis is out, and, man, all the air goes out of Milwaukee. And they might not have won anyway. Who knows? Uh, but Atlanta playing without their star. Uh, Trey Young out with the bone bruise and the sprained ankle, and Atlanta wins comfortably, 110-88. to It's a 22-point win. And, you know, they got like six guys in double figures, and Lou Williams stepped into the, uh, stepped into the starting lineup, and he had a good game. Uh, 21 points, five boards, eight assists. Uh, <laughs> you know, if Atlanta ends up playing the Clippers, which I don't think will happen, but at this point, who knows. Then we got the, then we got the, the Rondo-Lou Williams series. Now, Rondo wasn't in Atlanta very long, but he gets traded. Lou Williams was with the Clippers for a long time. And now he's with the Hawks, so that'd be weird if it comes down to that. Uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee press reset. Um, we'll see if their stars are out for Game 5 or if they're out for the rest of the series. How does that work? Maybe they're both back. Doesn't seem the way to bet sitting here right now. It's just a crazy postseason. So many injuries. You try to list them all, and you just you can't. You know, you're bound to forget somebody. And, and how far back? I mean, do you say that the uh, even before the playoffs started, the Warriors were hurt by, um, you know, their injury to Clay Thompson. And then bef- in the regular season, the Nuggets were hurt, the injury to Jamal Murray. And then the playoffs get going and, you know, AD gets hurt. I mean, forget that Chris Paul got hurt, but it wasn't, you know, something that, I mean, it was about a week he was uh, struggling and then he was back. Um 
It just goes on and on. So many teams impacted by injuries. So 2-2 in the East, 3-2 Suns in the West with the Suns in L.A. to play the Clippers tonight. And we will have more on the basketball coming up. Also going to begin a tour of the Western Conference, getting the lowdown as teams get ready for next season. We will do all that in a minute. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. You're outstanding! But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to check in with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland, talking Clippers and Suns, Game 6 tonight after the Clippers fought off elimination in Game 5 with a stellar performance for Paul George. Paul George, of course, played at Fresno State for Steve Cleveland. Cleveland, after he coached at BYU, uh, went and coached the Bulldogs in his hometown of Fresno, where he's a longtime JC coach. So he's tight with Paul George. He is in Paul's corner all the way. And PK and I talked to him about that and George coming up big, especially for a guy who's taken some harsh criticism for previous playoff failures. Here's PK and I with Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. I am curious about your emotion. I think a lot of fans, now that the Jazz are out of the playoffs, can watch an NBA game, or at least part of an NBA playoff game, and not really root that hard one way or another, just kind of watch the game. But I imagine you watching the Clippers play. You coached Paul George in college. You know he's had games that are hard to explain, and he's taking a lot of heat for him because he's underperformed. And that's, you know, those are facts and part of history. And then you come on the radio and you don't want to light your guy up. And I totally get that. But what are you thinking when you turn on a game and it's an elimination game and they're on the road and he's just crushing it, playing one of his best games, shooting 75% from the floor and never blinking? I guess the best way to start this off would be to say that when you have a player that you're close to, it's kind of like having your kid play. I mean, it's kind of like I don't. I do not get nervous or anxious about watching games, regardless of who's playing. I mean, it, 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 it just. But when it's an individual that you're connected to, uh, it, it's, it can be painful. And uh, so when things don't go well, and I'm looking at this series, and I'm thinking, okay, this this could easily be Clippers up three <laughs> one without Kawhi Leonard. You know, I mean, it's a it's a couple of missed free throws, it's a turnover here, and obviously Paul's going to be involved in the mix no matter what because he's playing, he's logging, you know, 43, 44, 45 minutes a game, and so when you play those kinds of minutes, you're more prone to make mistakes, and he's made some mistakes. But last night, uh, I was driving from uh, from Clovis, California, to to Vegas. I'm on my way to Utah to go see my family. It was one of my sons in Provo, and. Uh, I mean, I'm a nervous wreck listening to the thing on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, it was fun because we got to the hotel and I got to actually see the last quarter and a half in person. But you know what? I was so happy for him. And, uh, you know, he, I, I will tell you this, the, the fatigue factor for him when he's made his biggest blunders and made mistakes and struggled, uh, I, I really believe part of it is, uh, and everybody's going to have a different opinion, but man, he looks gassed. 
and he, he's tired, and as they all are, because they're playing five, six, seven guys a game. They're not playing a lot, you know. They're not playing many guys because they don't have them. But last night, man, I felt so good. I mean, I felt like you know one of my children did real well in a in a choir, pro, you know, and they were in the choir or they were in a play or they were in, in a ball game. I mean, it, it was good, and uh, I slept better last night. Uh, knowing that they, that was a huge win. I mean, there was no one on the planet that thought the Clippers were going to win. I mean, there's no one unless it was related. Somebody had was related to a player. Uh, it wasn't happening, and so uh, that was a huge win. But <clears throat> there's a lot more basketball still to be played. Uh, I would hope they would go back home and play just like this, and then make that seventh game pretty special. Who knows? I mean, I, the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul did not play well yesterday. Uh, I think the the mask and all the issues with the nose is not it's not been easy on on uh, <clears throat> excuse me on on what's happening with them but with Booker but uh, I, I believe I, I'm hopeful that it'll go seven games and then we'll see what happens so it's it's been fun fun to watch. Do you think anything has clicked with Paul George? I think because for me, uh, you know, shots are going in, but I, he's always been a premier player, so I'm not sure beyond shots going in that there's anything different. But from what you know of him and what you've seen, do you think otherwise? So, so first of all, he's a really, really good defender, and nobody ever hardly ever talks about that. And his length, and, his, and he's a great defender in college. I mean, he became a better defender just through strength and conditioning, and even when in college when he, he wasn't a great shooter. But, uh, you know, I, I think that he I – mean, I know the young man pretty well. And he, and he is a, a very kind, he's a great teammate. Guy, you know, he gets along well with his teammates. And, and, and there's no one in the world – I mean, I would like to say, well, you know, they're not care, they don't care about that, they're not watching that. But you and I know that social media and all of those things going on, that these, these guys are so connected to it, you know. And I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't have the access – to, to him right now, but I would just say, please do not listen to talk radio. Please do not get on the internet. Just focus in on yourself and uh, and be the best version of who you can be. And I mean, guys are going to make mistakes. I mean, the two the two plays before he missed those two free throws were big time baskets to put him in a position to win the game. But uh, you know, and I get it. Everybody's going to focus on what happened at the end. You missed the free throws, and there you are. And you got to make you got to make those in those kind of situations if you be want, want to be one of the elites. And I, and I do consider him to be one of the in the you know the top twenty players in the NBA. I mean he he's demonstrated that over a long period of time, nine or ten years. But uh, he's had some hiccups. I understand it. Tough on him. Tough on his old coach. But I, I'm proud of what he does, who he is, and couldn't have been happier last night with uh, how he played. It just took over the game because he didn't play well in the first half. I mean. I was I listening. I was listening to it on the radio, and it seemed like he was deferring. He didn't want to, you know, jump into it. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, he's turning the ball over. He's deferring to other guys. He has to do. It. He can't be afraid to fail here, or they'll have no chance of winning. And and certainly, you think you think about that game, and how that thing started, and they jumped out to a quick lead, and and uh, you know, and the Clippers were in a situation where they were going inside and. I mean, they were playing well, and I, I kept waiting for them to just kind of tide the turn, and eventually the Suns would take over, the fans would take over, but it never happened. I mean, they took a short league, I think, in the second half by a point or two, but wow. And, and Tyrone Lue, I mean, he is 
pushed all the right buttons. I mean, whether they're in a zone, whether they're in man-to-man, whatever they're doing, if, if people wondered if this guy could coach, I mean, I think a lot of people thought, well, he had, you know, he had LeBron James, he, you know, he had Kyrie Irving, you know, he had guys that didn't require great coaching to win an NBA championship. But I, I, I think he's done an amazing job coaching right now and made all the adjustments. And uh, to go in there and win, you, it, it's, it's not an easy place to win. It's a loud place. And uh, so I, I think Tyrone Lou is, is to give, be given a lot of credit as well. Steve Cleveland joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. As impressive as the Game 5 win was, is it something they can replicate in Game 6 or 7? They had three guys really score it well, and they don't have that many options because they have so many guys out injured. Uh, so it's still the Suns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the Suns are still in the position to win this thing. When you think about, uh, you know, the Clippers at home uh, the first time, and you know the game is uh, that that second game when it was eighty four to eighty, and the Clippers go five for thirty one at home. Uh, you would think at home they could they would play better, uh, but Morris was special, and Cousins. You know they got fifteen points out of Cousins in very few minutes, and uh, I think that. I think the zone was ingenious. I think playing Cousins inside and, and attacking, especially backup guys that, uh, you know, when the big fellow wasn't inside there for, for Phoenix, uh, you know, those, those were big, big baskets. And Reggie Jackson doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. And really, when you think about it, uh, he, he had a huge second half as well, made big baskets. And then Paul just played well throughout, the, you know, I mean, definitely the second half. First half, he didn't play great. Second half, he was unbelievable. So they believe they can go home. I mean, I would think that they'll go home and not be 5-31 to 31 from the three-point line because that's a game that they should have won. I mean, besides the two missed free throws, really, being at home and, and Paul going one for nine and Jackson going two for nine and them going 5-31, to 31, uh, you know, and Phoenix still barely wins. So I, I, I feel like they'll go home. They'll shoot it better. I like the fact they're changing defenses. Uh, and, and not just doing the same thing and letting the Suns get in a routine. And, I mean, Chris Paul is going to have to play a lot better than he did uh, last night. And, uh, you know, I, I think for them to win there. But I, I think the Clippers win at home, uh, and I think that the Suns have the advantage at home going back home just because these guys will have logged so many minutes, and it's been a long process. I just, I just don't know if they can pull another one out of the rabbit out of the hat here uh, it seems unlikely that they could but i maybe it's just my uh prejudice towards the clippers and the fact that i think they can win at home right uh they didn't play there very well last time so i hope they'll play better i hope that they'll be in a situation where there can be a seventh game this has been a pretty amazing clipper team when you consider most of it's been done all most of this work's been done without Kawhi. um it, it's put the spotlight on paul which hasn't been great for him at times but at the end of the day, when these guys look back, whatever happens here, going three series like this, being down two games, uh, there'll, there'll be something to, to say, hey, you know what? There were a lot of good things that happened here. We didn't get to the NBA Finals. But uh, we'll have to see. But they got they got to beat them home. they got to play a lot better at home than they did last time if they want to get into that seventh game. I continue to be surprised why the Suns don't go to eight and more. I don't think he has enough FGAs. Yeah, you know, uh, he, he does. He, he's a you know he's, he's good in the pick and rolls, and obviously he's. Uh, but he's not really a low post guy. I mean, he just. I mean, he's has a presence there, 
and when he runs the floor and, and when Booker comes off that thing and, and you know, the, the thing is the Clippers didn't give him many opportunities. I mean, they, they changed the defenses all the time and played it differently. And, and, and really, Aiton has played well in this series. Don't get me wrong. He played really well. I mean, everybody's focusing on the, on the dunk at the end to win the game. But he's played really well. But I, I, don't, I don't think he's a significant low post, give me the ball. Let's, I mean, the NBA didn't play that way. I mean, it's kind of like it's an afterthought. I mean, it's just like, get out of the low post, let's pound it inside. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, they did it with Cousins a little bit at the end, and they, put, you know, they, they post Morris up more than anybody. It, well, they will pound it in. But the Clippers are one of the few teams that really kind of pound the ball inside. It, the NBA today is more about screen and rolls, more about spreading the floor, more about gapping, you know, and getting in situations where we can attack off the dribble. And, uh, you know, Aiden, for, for the Suns to get to the next level as well, and they did very well win the whole thing. But he, he, he's been really good, and he's gotten better. He's only three years into the league. Uh, but at the end of the day, maybe the system won't allow him to ever really be a low-post guy. But that, that hardly exists anymore in the NBA as far as the things that I've watched. It, it's true, it hardly exists, but it seems like when you've got a good big guy, you've got to find a way for him to consistently get touches and impose his will. I mean, you know from watching games that all baskets aren't created equal. Some just happen, others change momentum and change the flow of the game. And kind of the physical but, dominance a big guy gives you is a positive. But how do you get that outside of, A, the pick and roll and the alley-oop and the easy bucket, or be the post up. I mean, isn't there is there some other way to do that? You know, I was I was listening to uh, some NBA analysts yesterday, and they were talking about this. And, and one, just as I was driving to, to Vegas, and it was it was interesting talking about how the game has changed. But it's kind of like, when's the last time you saw an NBA coach call quick hitters or special plays and do things out of timeouts and you know, he was just, and this is a guy that's been in the league for a long time. He was vegetarian, and he was talking about, you know, I'd, I'd like to see guys coming out of timeouts and running something where, where we go, we pound that thing inside, or we run some action where we can get the ball in the paint. And when you think about it, when when the Suns really made the run and Cousins went in, and he scores 15 points in a real quick period of time, it was all right around the rim. They were throwing the ball inside to him because he's a wide body. That that's the game that he has. And but I no I completely agree. I mean I think that's something that's missing. I think that I mean for me you call a timeout for three minutes you come out and run the same high pick and roll. But why would you not run something a quick hitter? Why not run a, a specific set? Why not try to open the floor and pound it inside? And, and if you don't have a guy, then, then post up a guard. You know post up whomever. I mean every team's different, but I, I don't see that action anymore. And and, and I think that it's missing. And I think people are missing out. I, I understand the flow of the game and all the things that happen, but when you got a six-seven or a six-eight, I mean, like it's one of it's one of those things where you could run a little baseline flex cut and have the guy come off and get a quick post up, open the floor, and, and just pound it inside. I mean, there's so many different ways to get the ball in the post. And you're talking to a coach who, and you know, during my lifetime of coaching, that's what we did. We tried to pound the thing in the paint. I, I probably still got 25 special quick hitters that. How to get how to get guys in the post and how to score and how to isolate people and and those kinds of things, but that's one thing. As I watch the NBA, uh, and listen, these are the, some of the greatest coaches. Well, they are the greatest coaches in the world. They are great coaches and they have to manage and do a lot of things. But I, I don't see a lot of things happening coming out of timeout sometimes. 
where I'm, I'm expecting them to run something and some action to get the ball to a specific guy, to get to the free-throw line, to stop the bleeding when they've gone six possessions in a row and they haven't scored. You don't, I don't see that a lot in the NBA. I just don't. And, uh, and hey, listen, I mean, I have absolute respect for those guys and those coaches, but I think that's an element that's missing. And I think there is a place for throwing the ball in the post. And it doesn't have – if your post guy is, is skinny and, you know, not strong enough, then find a two-guard, find a three-man, find that isolation, uh, and, and go from there. So, yeah, I completely agree that Aiton could be a dominant player inside. You think about the summer, just working on low post stuff and figuring out three, you know, figure out three or four or five sets they're going to run during the course of the game. Work on that all summer so he comes in with confidence and he, he feels stronger and better about that. Developing him. I mean, he's a great player and he, man, he's playing good and for a guy that's only been in the league three years. And I think he's really responded to Chris Paul and the coaching staff. But I, I think there's a next level for him if he can learn how to score in a block. What do you think is going to happen with Danny Ainge? Man, the very first moment I heard, and, and I, I know that Ryan and Danny are good friends, and I know that they, that they both have great respect for each other. I know nothing about that, but I will be shocked if Danny Ainge is not part of that. And uh, I, I know that uh, you know he's in Utah a lot, and uh, I know that at one point in time, uh, I know, and it would have made sense too because they have family out here, and that uh, they'd have a place out here because they have children out here and they have grandkids out here. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I think his role will be different. But I think that to me, it just seems from the outside looking in that that he's going to be a part of that that program. But I have no insight. You have, you all have way more inside information than I do. But it, it makes sense, especially because there is a really really strong relationship. Uh, between Ryan and Danny. It feels like everybody who has any connection to BYU, including parking services, will tell you <laughs> what you just said. Yep. I, I know. And you know parking know. services connected. I don't wanna I don't want to take any shots at parking <laughs> services. I don't want more tickets. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know. And, and you all I we've had you know, we've had a couple conversations about Dennis Lindsay and, and, and off the record, and, and, and I knew that there seemed to be things that maybe weren't right there and that changes take place. Sometimes it's good. You know, I happened to have a couple of experiences with Dennis uh, when I had gotten back from Indiana when we served a mission out there. And I, I came by and I wanted to talk to him. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And you know what? He was amazing with me. I mean, he didn't even take a minute with me. We had dinner together, went to a game. And uh, and just shared with me insights. So, um, whatever the positives and negatives, I mean, in fact, he had, he had he made a mark there. I mean, obviously, he hired Quinn. I mean, that was a pretty good move. He was involved in Donovan and and Gobert and, and and them being there. So he did a lot of really good things. I realize there's personalities. I realize there's a lot of things going behind the scenes that nobody knows anything about. But I will say this about Dennis with me. I mean, he treated me with great kindness. I had no idea who he was. And uh, I spent a couple hours with him and uh, he gave me some really good insights. So uh, he's had a great I think He's been in the business 20 or 25 years. So I don't know what his next step is or what he's going to do, but uh, it, that, it's just part of, the, it's part of it. I mean, you make changes, and whether it's personality conflicts or whether it's a different vision, uh, who knows what it is. Change happens all the time, not just in the NBA, everywhere in coaching. And, and uh, so 
uh, hats off to him for all the good things he did there. Steve, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. You see you guys. Maybe I'll uh, come up and uh, say hello. I'll be I'll be in town for about seven or eight days. We'll catch up. There's Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, Jonathan Fagan, Houston Rockets beat writer for a couple of decades now, and the Rockets have to rebuild. There where the Jazz were five years ago, and you know the Rockets aren't there very often. I have a staff for you next about the Rockets. They are consistently good, and when they are not good, they get good again quickly. And this this stat is going to blow you away. We will get to that with Jonathan next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yesterday in the 9 o'clock hour, we had Jonathan Fagan on, Houston Rockets beat writer uh, for a long time. And the Rockets going into a rebuild now. How are they going to do this? They got the second pick in the draft. They got three picks in the first round. But they've also got four or five guys under contract uh, who are 30 and making money. And do they want to keep paying these guys? Do they want to cut the payroll down while they rebuild? Uh, on the other hand, if you get too young, sometimes you lose your way. Uh, Jonathan Fagan with us. He's got a few last nights in the conversation because we talked to him yesterday at 9, but you get the point. Here's Jonathan on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning. Jonathan, we don't know you, but we recognize your name, and we were curious before we get started here with the first question. How long have you been covering the NBA? How long have you been covering the Rockets? I've been the beat guy for 22 C. I, okay, I've finished 20 seasons, so a little more than 22 years I've been on the beat. And I'm looking at the Rockets' record in that span. They haven't had, now they just had a losing season, obviously, but that is the first losing season they've had since 2006, and they haven't had back-to-back losing seasons since the early 80s, 83-84. That is a remarkable run. Uh, Are they going to rebuild on the fly, or are they about to have back-to-back losing seasons? (laughs) <laughs> the odds are they'll have back-to-back losing seasons. Uh, I mean, they're going to take the long rebuild plan, probably. And if they luck into something, let's say they make a trade, John Wall or Eric Gordon, guys who have larger salaries, and bring somebody back that changes everything. Or for that matter, if they get real healthy and stay healthy with some of the veterans uh, who broke down last year, everybody broke down last year, but Maybe they have a, they have a chance at, at around 500, but I don't think they're going to do anything that that really damages the long rebuild just for next season. So, also too, what's the management situation? Because Dennis Lindsay, to a degree, is available. I don't know that he would be, but you know, because he says he's going to be consulting here with the Jazz. He has those Texas roots. Can you inform us? about what's going on from the front office perspective? Well, Rafael Stone is the general manager, and he hasn't completed one full calendar year yet. So I would think they'd give him more time to rebuild than that. And 
Rafael was with the organization for 14 years, so he, he's been there. That's quite a long time, actually, in this business. So they have a lot of faith in him, a lot of belief in him, and in the front office in general. They are adding people, although if they don't add a couple in the next week or so, they'd probably put it off till after the draft because things get pretty busy, and sort of the roles they're adding aren't necessarily people you need right away. But that's under Rafael Stone. Right. That's not a right. position that Dennis would, would be in. They, Dennis would obviously run his own shop. Okay. So, no, they're not looking. So the draft is a chance to improve. Houston has got a lot of picks, the number two pick, and then later on picks 23 and 24. Who are they excited about? What is the plan? Where is this going? I, I was going to ask you if they would trade those picks to bring some veterans in, but if they're going to go with the long rebuild, then I would think you'd invest in rookies. Well, certainly with the number two pick. I, I, I mean, Rafael made a big point that we're going to keep every option open and consider everything, including moving if we draft. He said all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, they're going to make the pick with the second pick. Uh, I really believe they want to take their chance on getting their future star. And you can do that with the second pick. You might not get it, but that's a good way to build. 23 and 24, uh, anything could happen. I could see them using that, using the combination of picks or future picks to move up. If somebody slips that they really like, if they find somebody really undervalued, a veteran that they can get with one of those picks, I could see that. Most likely they'll pick three times, but the 23 and 24, all the options. It's like they say all the options are open. Detroit says all the options are open. Well, they're really not. But with 23 and 24, yeah, any, anything could happen. I can absolutely see them moving up. Teams in recent years with too many first-round picks have used one just to sort of restock for future years. Trade a late first for a future second, even. I don't think those are good teams that have done that. I don't think the Rockets would do that. So you look at this team on paper anyway, I could argue that the strength of the team is in the guard line or in the perimeter players. Uh, Gordon is a proven commodity, but he's 32 years old. Wall, somewhat injury prone, obviously, 30 years old, making $41 million. Man, that seems outrageous. They got a couple nice young players. I think Christian Wood is a kid on the come that you can get some production out of and get better, particularly as uh, if he can find a way to get stronger and all that stuff. House is a decent player. With that in mind, as far as that draft pick, uh, I don't know that Cunningham's going to go one. I, I would assume if he's available that the Rockets would take him. I personally like the kid Suggs from Gonzaga, but Mobley from SC is probably going to be there, too. So what do you think they do with that pick? Okay. Well, as the guys you've mentioned, two, two of the main parts of the rebuilding are guys you didn't mention, Kevin Porter Jr. and K.J. Martin. And Jason Tate, I don't know that he's going to get a whole lot different, but he was first-team all-rookie team this year. Yep. So those are three important rebuilding guys because they're so young, uh, 21, 20, and Tate is a little older. So those are guys, but the Rockets are absolutely not going to concern themselves with fit, you know, who fits best next to Kevin Porter Jr. Because he's kind of their first step in really the rebuilding. He he has potential star in him. 
And so he's key. But that said, uh, the guys who are going to be in the top four of the draft are good enough and versatile enough that they could fit regardless, even if they were worried that way. So you mentioned Suggs. Yeah. Well, Suggs can, can run your offense, but he can play off the ball too. And a lot, he's not a great range shooter, but uh, from the people I've talked to, people think he will become really good, maybe even great, but that will become a strength, where it's definitely not a strength right now. Well, if that's the case, he could fit with anybody. Don't worry about fit anyway. Uh, the, the hard question is, the, the, you, you kind of have a feeling for the floor of these guys, and Cade Cunningham probably has the highest floor, if things don't work out, what will he be? Well, he'll still, he's going to be good. He's going to be real good because he's, so, he's got so much going for him. Uh, the, not the elite athlete, but other than that, he's got so much going for him. It's going to work out. Maybe not superstar level because you never know with these guys. They're 19 years old. Jalen Green is the one where you get a lot of opinions where there are those who feel like, of the group, he's the one who could have superstar potential, but more volatile in terms of, you know, where the floor is compared to the ceiling, the, the biggest gap between those two. I would think the Rockets getting back in the top four for the first time since Yao Ming will say, go for upside. You know, let, let's see who can be a star, unless they absolutely feel somebody's just much better. But it, 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 a lot this is going to be taste, you know. Some people like vanilla, some like chocolate. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, Mobley. You can make a case for almost any of these guys. Mobley being so athletic and agile at his size, being such a difference maker defensively, you can make a case that's the guy you should take if you get a chance. He's always going to be tall. You know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. You're not going to get him and suddenly find out, oh my gosh, he's actually six seven. So you have a pretty good feel for that, too. I think, though, and just knowing Rafael's personality and his tastes, he's a guy who's willing to swing for the fences, which means take the guy you think is going to be best. Don't worry about fit. Don't worry about it not working out. Go for the home run. So... In Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton has made a big point of saying, hey, Chris Paul has really improved me as a player. So if you're going young, there's a whole thought, you need to go young, and what's the point of having veterans? And the point is that they bring the young guys along. Now, Phoenix is winning, so that's a slightly different uh, different situation than where Houston sits. For the guys who are 30 and older in Houston – do they have a future there because they think with some young guys they can win quickly? Do they move those guys because they're going for the future? Are there one of them, two of them, or great mentors they want to hold on with these young guys? How does that work for the guys who are older and suddenly find themselves in the middle of this Rocket rebuild? Yeah, you make a great point there. The Rockets were really happy with John Wall as a leader last year, which wasn't necessarily his reputation, and it's certainly not the reason they brought him in. But he was really good at just communicating and constantly helping. When he missed time, he was not a guy who was up in a luxury suite watching. He was always involved. You know, it was just, they were really happy with that. Do you spend $90 million over the next two years for that? Of course not. 
you know, you can get that a lot less if they had a way to move. And that's the other thing, because they did well in the lottery, if they had finished fifth with the fifth pick, Oklahoma City would have taken that pick and they'd have drafted 18th. I would make a case, you know what then? Try and win with veterans. Change your reputation a little bit. Look like a team on the rise to where you have a chance to get that future star in free agency. Now you have a chance to get it in the draft. It makes more sense at some point to move a veteran who makes that kind of money. You don't keep him just because of mentorship, not at that price. Um, I will say Kelly Olenek is a free agent, uh, but they have bird rights. They could bring him back using that, and he was terrific at that, really good. Uh, There was one game I remember, a guy messed up. I can't remember the play or the guy, but one of the really young guys messed up. A timeout was called, and Olenek got to him before anybody else and walked him back towards the bench talking to him. That's the thing you're talking about, where a guy in Olenek's case turned 30 late in the year. Just really good at that. Uh, You're rebuilding, though. You don't have the luxury of, of... paying that kind of money just for that. I also don't think you need to move, oh, gosh, we got to get John Wall out of here. No, you don't have to because he's good at those things. So you could take your time till the right deal comes to where it's not where you have to add to get someone to take the contract to where maybe you can do a deal that's neutral or you even get some assets back. You know, so there's no urgency because he's not a problem. He's actually a benefit. But you don't keep him for that reason either. Yeah, as I look at their roster, you know, a healthy John Wall, I think, is a great player. Uh, but at forty-one million, I mean, it's—I would think it would be hard to move him. But at the same time, when I look at guys like Bradley Gordon and Olenek, they can help teams that that are veteran teams poised to win now. And I think that that would be much easier for them to move those types of guys and maybe get some assets in return. Do you see that scenario playing out? Well, Olympic's a free agent, so they don't have that kind of control with him. And Bradley, it's a team option, and that's an interesting one because he can be a trade asset to the sort of teams you're describing to where he can be he's a he's another guy smart guy he's been with he's always been attractive to contending teams the heat signed him before that it was the lakers you know before that it was the celtics he, he's a guy that would have some value to so where if you do pick up your team option on him he at 5 million sure having a mentor type is not and then DJ Augustine by the way is signed and he's also really good in that regard and so, yeah, I could see keeping Bradley and then see when something develops uh, to where he's a trade asset. Uh, and, but that's the thing. They can't do anything about just next season. Everything has to be, how does it build? What, how, do, how does it help you down the road either to win or to make a deal that helps you win? But you're right about John Wall. At that price, it's a very small number of teams that he, he's a great fit, that you're overpaying regardless. But some teams, if that's the last part, and gosh, you need a point guard, maybe you're willing to do something like that. For the Rockets, it has to be, hang on to him until the time comes. Because you, to do a bad deal, you don't have to do one. Your hands aren't forced in his case. 
Jonathan Fagan joining us, Houston Rockets writer for the Houston Chronicle, longtime B writer. I am curious if you think the Clippers can come back on the Suns or if Phoenix is headed to the NBA Finals. Well, the way you worded it, I'd say both. They can come back. I wouldn't be shocked if they get it to a Game 7 and then anything can happen. But I'm picking, I'm picking the Suns. You know, I, I don't think the Suns played very well last night. And, you know, they will. And, you know, each game further in the series, further away from his time off uh, because of COVID, I think Chris Paul is going to get stronger and stronger and do it in this series anyway. So I, I would absolutely pick the Suns. But after last night, uh, you know, I don't think anybody can. And also, Ty Lue deserves a whole lot of credit. You know, he he's not a guy who sort of sets his rotation and that's it. We're going to rise or fall with these guys. He is absolutely willing to try and, uh, different things, and the changes he's made throughout these playoffs have worked. Uh, so that, I think it's a really interesting series. I kind of hope it goes seven just because I want as much basketball as possible before this year is over. To say nothing of which my fantasy team has three Clippers, <laughs> or two of which are playing. And Chris Paul. So either way, I, I'm going to win-win. Good for you. There's a long way to put the answer to your question, which was I think the Suns will win, but at this point nothing will surprise me about the Clippers. Last season was a bizarre season. Everything was done on Zoom, but you have one of your guys on your co- on the coaching staff. He's one of our favorites. We worked for him on television a little bit after retirement, and that's Jeff Hornacek. You got an opportunity to get to know him at all? No, not as much. I, I kind of – over the years, have talked to him more than I was able to this year yeah. because of the unusual circumstances. But obviously, he's been around so long, I have had occasions. And I talked to him over the phone a few times during the search process and way back when he was a candidate for the Rockets job uh, before he went to the Knicks. But uh, I will tell you one thing I learned. He can still shoot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then while he's waiting, like you know, he warms up players as an assistant coach as part of his job. And sometimes when he gets out on the court before the player, he'll take a shot or two. Yep. Uh, that's it, though. I've only seen a shot or two. But I tell you something, he can still shoot. And you know what? When you see these guys who are former players years after, their shooting form never changes. It still looks exactly the same as it did. A little less lift on his jump shot, as in now it's none. Probably, I was going to say but, probably none now. <laughs> yeah. But I've seen this over the years. I, back back in the day, I saw Rudy Tomjanovich shoot, and it was that same really high-release shot. These guys, a lot of them who are shooters anyway, it never changes. And uh, Jeff can still shoot. Jeff had a funny story when he'd been retired a while, and I, I don't know, two, three, five years, whatever it was, that he played in a pickup game with some pros. And he said he was really good. He might have said something other than that, but we're on the radio. So he was really good. He said, and the next morning I could barely get out of bed. He said, I went to bed thinking, I still got it. And I woke up the next morning and thought, and that's why I retired. My knees are killing me. I've heard guys say that. Uh, way back when, uh, Larry Smith was on the Rockets coaching staff. And they didn't have enough players for practice. And for, it, was a Rudy, it was the Rudy era, so I could go to practice because Rudy was the world's most cooperative coach. And... You know, in fact, the Rudy Tomjanovich Award is named after Rudy Tomjanovich for that reason. <laughs> so I was at practice, Larry Smith practiced, and he had a rule, there are no fouls on assistant coaches. 
Well, Larry Smith was a physical, really physical, Mr. Mean player as a player, as an assistant coach, way older. He was just beating the crap out of everybody. <laughs> you know, you missed a free throw two weeks ago and it cost us a game. I'm beating the crap out of you. And just beat him up all day. And so I said, you know, you look like you could keep playing. He said, wait till tomorrow. The game before the game, which was in Portland, I asked him about it. And he says, I couldn't get out of bed today. <laughs> I couldn't move. Yeah. Said, you know, people don't get how tough it is to play. You know, these guys, it looks so easy. They go from end to end four times in a row, just like it's nothing. Like it's a video game and maybe your thumb gets a little tired. You know, the rest of us get out there and forget competing. Just run up and down a few times. It's just, I've seen endurance athletes. The breathing is so different that they get gassed when they say, I'll play some pickup ball. What are you talking about? You just rode your bike 80 miles last week just for a fun afternoon. Why are you out of breath? And it's just totally different. I've I've played back in the day pickup games against guys who were in so much better shape than I could ever be in. And they'd be gassed. But because I played pickup every day, now I can keep playing. Just it's an unbelievable. The level that they get to, which I really have digressed, but the level they get to in conditioning, it's unreal. The guys you think are in really good shape and all they got to get in better shape. Just a really tough sport. Jonathan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and uh, and talking some Rocket basketball with us. Always a pleasure. Right. Kind of kind of went off the rails there a little bit. No worries. That's always fun, too. Say say hi to tell Jeff that you talked to two morning guys. Even if you forget uh, who we are, he'll, he'll remember. <laughs> he'll know. Well, tell, I want to hear t- what he has to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you probably do. All right. Tell Jeff hi. We'll talk to you. There's Jonathan Fagan. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines on the way, including the Eastern Conference Finals. That's next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Blue's going to break in. He goes against Antetokounmpo. Fires up the jump shot and hits it. Right over Giannis Antetokounmpo. And the Hawks lead by 11 again. Lou Williams. Lob it to Capella. Put it in. And Giannis is down. Giannis is down on the floor. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. A lot of contact on the alley-oop. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I just saw it again. Don't know what to say. Oh, my. Herter. Now dribbling, driving. Goes by Lopez again. Gets it underneath to Clint Capella. Clint turns. Clint has it knocked away. Now he throws up the wild one. And it goes in! It went in at the buzzer. Clint Capella and the Hawks lead again by 20. And the Hawks win by 22. 110 to 88. You heard Giannis Antetokounmpo hurting his knee there. It looked really bad. Hawks were shorthanded as well. They didn't have Trey Young. But they get the win. The series is tied 2-2 and added to the list of injuries in this offseason, PK. The Stars keep going down. That's great news for the Bucks because the Stars keep going down. The other team, those teams keep winning. At this point, both Stars out. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. Although Trey could be back. 
Not to come a little campy? It could be, but I wouldn't expect it after looking at that injury. Okay. But they haven't announced it, so. I bet you five thou that he is. $5,000. I didn't say dollars. I just said five thou. Oh, stop it. Everyone in Jersey, all your gambling relatives expected $5,000. You know what you said. I stand by what I said. Lou Williams, classic bench guy, classic sixth man, moved into the starting lineup. Gave him 21 points, five boards, and eight assists. Next man up and all that stuff, PK. That's what it's about. All these whinings and going back and forth on injuries. Overcome it. They ended up, the Hawks, with uh, without their star there, without Trey Young, and it was six guys in double figures. Lou Williams led them with 21, and Bogdanovich uh, had 20 as well. So they get the W. Bogey? Nice. Not that bogey, the other bogey. Oh. That's the second bogey? Bogdan Bogdanovich. So that'd double be bogey, bogey squared? Yeah, bogey squared. That you're going double bogey, for no. sure. You're going double bogey. Unless I go triple. <laughs> Game six in the Western Finals tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Suns and Clippers. Suns up three games to two. Trying to close them out on the road in L.A. Wanted to do it at home and have the big party, but get to the NBA Finals however you can. Tell me who's not playing, and I'll tell you who's going to win. <laughs> Kawhi's not playing. Bonus for the uh, Clippers. Orlando's still looking for a head coach. There had been talk about Penny Hardaway. Of course, he played there, went to the NBA Finals with him in the 90s with Shaq. But Penny Hardaway said, no, I'm staying put at Memphis. And it looks like he's bringing former NBA coach Larry Brown, former UCLA coach Larry Brown, former Kansas coach. Well, we can't run through all the formers with him. But he's 80 now, and he's going to come aboard as an assistant coach. So Hardaway didn't get the job, huh? That's what it looks like. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Indianapolis Colts receive approval Tuesday to host full capacity crowds at their home games this season. They are the final NFL team to receive that approval from local government going into the fall. Indianapolis, one of a handful of teams that did have a limited amount of fans last year, but it looks like they'll have the full crowd this year. Great news. NFL announced it is canceling the supplemental draft for the second straight season. Draft is available for players whose eligibility situations change after the January declaration deadline for the regular draft. NFL reserves the right to decide whether to hold the supplemental draft each year. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Well, one time, once you say sometimes they do, that indicates that sometimes they don't. Tanya Snyder has joined her husband, Dan Snyder, as co-CEO of the Washington football team. Franchise. Franchise made the announcement Tuesday, making her one of a few women CEOs in the history of the league. Amy Trask with the Raiders. Kim Pegula with the Bills. And now Tanya Snyder. Who's with the Bills? Kim Pegula. 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 She's the husband of the owner, I believe. The wife of the owner type. I was a screw up. <laughs> in today's world, buddy. You never know. Fair point. <laughs> that was immediately running through my mind. Yak messed it up, or did I mess it? I. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. First pitch, belt it. Deep right field. Way back. Going. Going. Going to play. A first pitch fastball off the facing of the third deck down the right field line. Bang. Zoom goes Kyle Schwarber. Here's a 3-1. Fly ball, center field. 
Duggar going back at the wall. Gone! Max Muncy's 17th home run of the year. The eighth surrendered by Gosman. And the Dodgers lead three to nothing. And the Dodgers end up getting the win and the sweep. They win 3-1. Walker Bueller had it going on. And it's 3-1-3-2, just riding the pitching there as Bueller gets it done. Bueller. Bueller. Shohei Otani going deep two more times. He's got 28 home runs, PK. Looks like he's going to play a full season. So far, so good. Get the 600 plate appearances and all that. So, Yankees get beat by the Angels 11-5 because they have no pitching. Staff ERA is 5. It's a massive number. Not the worst in Major League Baseball, but pretty close. They have zero pitching? Man, that's amazing. Can't get people out. They're 28 out of 30 teams in pitching. So, the Angels are getting a massive season from Otani, but pitching. Got to have the pitching. He gives it to them. J.D. Martinez drives in four runs. Red Sox beat the Royals 7-6. Red Sox two games in front of Tampa in the American League East. With the Giants losing, the Padres beat the Reds 5-4. Tommy Pham going deep. Giants game and a half up on the Dodgers. That's Pham spelt like Phoenix. P-H-A-M. Your Diamondbacks... Man, they're just good for what what ails every team they run into. Cardinals right now. Cardinals are two games under 500, but did get the win. Nolan Arenado going deep. Cardinals beat the Diamondbacks 3-2. Salt Lake Bees close out their series against the Aviators with a 4-2 win. The Bees will open a six-game series in Oklahoma City tomorrow night, 6-0-5. Mariners pitcher Hector Martinez suspended 10 games, fined by the Major League Baseball for having a foreign substance on his glove. Martinez said he will appeal. That's the first ejection and suspension of the league's new crackdown on the pitchers using foreign substances. He said he used rosin on the glove. He should have had a domestic substance then instead of a foreign one. Making sense. Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer facing allegations of assault by a woman stemming from a sexual encounter earlier this year. The Pasadena Police Department says it's investigating the alleged assault, which it says occurred around the middle of May. The woman was granted a domestic violence restraining order in L.A. County Superior Court against Bauer, according to her attorney. Yeah, they broke into the game last night to talk about that. And I read the details. Some rough stuff going on that uh, he says she wanted. So, any timeline for this investigation? He keeps uh, pitching in the meantime? Well, right now it's just uh, one word against the other. Sounds like an allegation right now. It has to be an investigation. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning... Going to talk with Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer. He joins us at 9 o'clock. Got a two-part question of the day. If you were with us late yesterday, we tipped one of them off yesterday. We'll get to both of them coming up. How are these NBA teams able to keep winning playoff games without their best players? And we will get to that. Coming up, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Rises and fires. 
Playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. It is time for the question of the day. How are these NBA teams able to keep winning playoff games without their best players? How is this happening? Jonathan says because they're playing teams who are also without their best players. The Suns are the only healthy ones, and I think typing the sentence just popped Chris Paul's shoulder out again. It did not. It didn't? No, he's good to go. Good news for Phoenix. It's probably something, too, that you're playing another team that isn't healthy. Certainly the Suns benefited that from that in the Lakers series as both teams traded injuries. Chris Paul with the pinched nerve in his shoulder and then Anthony Davis getting hurt later in the series. There's probably a little bit to that. Obviously, some of these teams have benefited from their depth playing a lot better. If Next there's a guy little up bit to that. it, then that means there's a lot of it that isn't to it. Yes, because other players have played better for some of these teams. Yeah. The guys who are healthy, stepping up, filling the gap, all that kind of stuff. Certainly, there have been examples where both teams have had injuries. So that is a piece of the puzzle. But then, who replaces those guys and how well do those guys do? And obviously, in the Jazz Clipper series, and both teams had guys hurt or guys missing, but guys like Morris had big series, had big games. Stepped in and filled in. And conversely, the other teams who lost didn't. Did not. Didn't have the bench guy suddenly going for 22 and playing big minutes. Does it reduce the ability to say, well, I mean, you and your one leg, which I think is ridiculous, Mitchell was able to play, uh, and Conley, does it reduce that as an excuse? Because I think it does. It reduces it. Doesn't eliminate it. Reduces is a good word. And you always wonder if you are healthy, but lots of teams aren't healthy. And if that has ever been more clear, lots of teams have injuries in the playoffs. And there's lots of historical examples. And this year, we're just getting swamped by all the teams that, have injuries. But I'm sure that Jazz aren't the only fan base sitting there saying, oh, if we were healthy, the Lakers are saying it, the Nets are saying it, the Nuggets are saying it, you can go down the line. But saying it isn't nearly as much fun as being the team that holds the trophy up at the end. And we're getting there. And four teams still have a shot. Now the Bucks, what are they going to do without Giannis? How long is he out for? What are they going to tell us later today? It didn't look good. Hopefully it's not bad, but it looked bad. And Trey Young, I mean, he it's on the sideline cheering and all that. I mean, it didn't, I don't know, that's season ending for him. Bone bruise, sprained ankle, and all that stuff. It's bad, but. Okay, well, well horrific. Great, great, and all that. I mean, we got, Get the, healthy. We got the medical uh, standards now. I mean, the, the bottom line is your other guys have to step in and play. That's all that matters. You, you just ran through the whole injury list. That's great. Now it's, it's not about them, it's about the guys who. Well, are it, is there. About, it is about them if they come back. Okay, again, it's about the guys who are there. They're the ones who are going to determine whether you win or lose, not the guys who aren't there. 
The only thing that matters is, are the guys that are available, do they play well? That's the whole thing. That's what you've got to have. Because they're still keeping score, and the games still count. So you can bemoan all the injuries. The Clippers have three rotation guys out in an elimination game on the road one. That's what counts. That's the only thing that matters. And you have to find a way to do the same thing, too. And you didn't get it done. That's what counts. The rest is a bunch of what-ifs. Yep. And only losers discuss what-ifs. Well, there's going to be 15 losers at the end of the playoffs. As there are every year. And they're going to discuss the what-ifs. As there are every single year. Yes. And you've got to find a way to not to be one of them. The bottom line is these guys here who played in place of the injured did not play well enough. That's the issue at hand. That's what matters. The end. Unless you can get your injured guys back. And you're just going to keep going on that, man. <laughs> well, do you, think that, do you think the Hawks lineup is going to win the championship without Trey Young? I don't know if they're going to win him with Trey Young. Right. But are they going to win it without him? I don't know do that they're think... going to win it with him. Okay, right now they don't have him. So you just told me to stop talking about the injuries, so now I'm not talking about the injuries. He's out. Are these guys good enough? Yes. Yeah, I don't believe that. Obviously. That's why you asked the question. <laughs> that is why I asked the question. <laughs> I mean, you asked a question. And are the Suns going to win it because they stay healthy? No. They're going to win it because they're better than the other team, that their guys played better. Yes, but if they have all their guys. If is for losers, (laughs) my friend. This is pro sports. It's also for winners. (laughs) If you're healthy, your odds go way up. So, and you can't have guys step in. And the Clippers have. That's what but matters. Is it going no, to catch up with us? No, you have to have guys who step in. The, the, the Suns were healthy. They didn't play well enough. So health doesn't guarantee you anything. It doesn't, but it tips the odds in your favor, and that's one of the reasons they're up 3-2. Great. Be careful on that one, though, buddy. Okay. But they looked... <laughs> to. To me, and what do I know, but to me, the Suns looked like they were in a lot of trouble against the Lakers, and then Anthony Davis went down and they went three in a row. I mean, he'd had two big games. Anthony I don't think Davis always goes down. You got that going the for you. The only time he didn't go down is after they had three freaking months off. Right. And then he had to play for a few games. And then he won the championship. But you're right, it wasn't the grind. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't 100 games. or. So I mean, who's the fool here? Iron Man, Carl Malone, Anthony Davis. I see no difference between the two. I see a lot. <laughs> so he got injured. Wow. Shocked the world. <laughs> and a 36-year-old got hurt. Wow. That hardly ever happens. It happened to Mr. Iron Man himself when he was with the Lakers. I remember him holding his knee. And we act like this is the only time it's happened. I mean, there's been plenty of other times. I know LeBron spoke, and when LeBron speaks, I got Jesus, Moses, and LeBron. I got that. 
And so it's, when he speaks, that's just the gospel truth, and nobody can question him. It's becoming pretty much an annual occurrence. The playoffs have been impacted by lots of injuries to lots of really good players. So what does it matter? You have to build a roster to overcome those injuries. And we're Boom. shocked here that Mike Conley, if I want to go that way too, and I know we we love our guys and they're the best, and just on and on, and we cheerlead like crazy for them, but that Mike Conley got hurt. Who saw that coming? Pretty much everybody. <laughs> I mean, I, I could sit here and be Mr. Nice Guy like you. Yeah, they would have won without injuries. There's just no doubt about that. They would have won without injuries. But if that's the whole thing, you're, you're allowing you know all not sorts of to, allowance. But you know you're going with them. I mean, the. Why? The rotation has to be. Why do I know be that? I don't concede that. Because if that's the case, they're never going to win with Conley because he's going to be hurt next year, too, if he should resign. And if not him, then somebody else. Last year was Bogdanovich. This year was Conley and half a toe of Mitchell. He played on half a toe. I think it was an ankle, not a toe, but whatever. Well, if you say a leg. So I think it was a, if it was an ankle, why are we saying one leg? Because you can't use the whole leg when the ankle goes. And if you only have one toe, that makes it even more difficult. <laughs> okay. Just making stuff up. The point is there's going to be injuries next year. And we're going to say next year. How many years in a row are we going to keep saying this? Well, Jazz fans are doing math right now. 41, 41, 43 years in a row. Yeah, that's not good. You've got to find a way to get better production out of the players you have. And that was the issue. Because you're assuming Conley would have been all that. Man, there's a lot of assumption I have to go. Once I go with the injury, I have to just keep going and going and going. I can't just stop there. Because you can, because you make your point. Well, we had him, but we were good. Now now we have to assume he stays healthy. We have to assume he plays well. Blah, 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 blah. you got to assume a lot. Yes. I'd rather... The teams who win don't assume anything. They right. win. But from the start, we never knew for sure they were going to win. We don't I mean, know anybody's going, going to win. Right. So that's, so we that's were not already, news. We are already making a bunch of assumptions. Whether they're healthy or not, we were making assumptions. As we do with every team. Right. So, so that's, we, not, that's not news. Well, we threw a bunch of ifs out there. I, you did, not me. You actually <laughs> did also. No, I did not. Okay. I want better play out of the players that I have. That's why they lost. Role guys couldn't get it done. And somebody else's role guys did get it done. That's what I would say. That's an excellent And I think that if you go to how did they get those role guys, they won on the buyout market. Then went on the buyout market. The Jazz picked up Ilya Silva, and they picked up Batum and Reggie Jackson. And Batum and Reggie Jackson came through for him against the Jazz. Are they going to come through for him against the Suns? What difference does that make? I can't guarantee you. But that's where... I think Reggie Jackson has been coming through. Batum has been playing as well. Batum. See what you did there. But Reg, R. Jack has. <laughs> Mr. June. R. Jack. Will he be Mr. July? So that's what it boils down to. You gotta you gotta find money players who aren't afraid of the moment. And if they make a bad pass, don't put their head down. And like, oh, here we go. I'm playing poorly. Woe is me. That's what I saw. You got to find gamers who can raise their game 
in those situations. Not take a hit. That, that was the problem. Sure, injuries were an issue, but that's not unique to you. What was unique to you is some of your role guys who played well in the regular season didn't play well in the playoffs. That was what was unique to you. Is that unique to you or is that unique to everyone getting knocked out? Well, the, the people who were, are listening to us care about that. They don't care about uh, Denver. that uh, Denver got knocked out or Portland got knocked out. It doesn't matter. So, sure, I get your point. But we're talking to people who care about this team. And it's it, whether it's unique to them doesn't matter. The fact that it happened to them is what matters. Is once you go injury, then you're saying they would have won. And yeah, I think they would have won too. But what does it matter? Hell, I want to cheerlead too. I want to be popular. I well, want then, people to like me. Well, then stick with the. Uh, <laughs> I think they would have won because we don't with really the truth. We don't know that they would have. I'm won. going to stick we, with the truth as I see it. That's we, what I'm going to stick we with. We don't know that healthy jazz team would have won. Hope they would have. Think they had a chance to, but we didn't know healthy jazz team was going to win. Obviously, that's why they play the games. Cameron says the Jazz blew their best chance at a title. Let's just say it. Injuries killed us, but it feels like little to no adjustments were made, and that cost us. What does that mean, best chance? What are we talking about? This year, uh, historically, this group, what does best chance mean? Because I've heard that from multiple people. Well, if you go literally, best, I mean, best means ever, better than 97, 98, better than other 60-win teams. I think there were one or two other 60-win teams. Um, or at least we're at that pace. Yeah, I, I mean, think their best chance was uh, when Jordan was out. Because you weren't beating Jordan. We don't, we don't have to go if on that. He went 6-0 and in the finals. That's not an if. So then 95, when they had a 60-win team. Yeah. And they had the lead in Game 5 against the Rockets, who were the defending champs, and eventually repeated. And in the last five minutes, the 10-point lead vaporized. Yeah, that, that clearly was your best chance in my mind. Plant the flag on 95. And if you want to go on that one, whatever you want to go, it's your opinion. So, I mean, I can't argue one way or the other. I can debate, I guess, but I can't, uh, I can't win any argument there because that's all it is is just, just opinions, which is the essence of sports radio in a synopsis anyway. So that's what makes it fun. You can't win. I can't win. I can't lose. You can't lose. So you believe this or that, and that's great. That's all fun discussion it doesn't much matter but I don't know if it's the best chance because oh maybe you, I will accept best chance to date because I'm not one of these uh, fatalists either because I believe this team can compete next year and come back better and be better equipped no matter who's healthy and who isn't healthy next year because there's never been 37-year-olds leading teams to titles. Well, we just don't know what's around the corner. And watching the the Hawks this season, watching the Suns, I mean, a year ago we could have, a year ago, two years ago, you could have never predicted that this was going to be around the corner for the Suns. So you don't know what's coming. I can predict that the Jazz are going to be in contention next year if Conley comes back. I assume there'll be other additions and subtractions to the roster, which I have no idea what they're going to be. 
But hopefully they're going to improve the depth. Uh, I believe they will. So I ha- I actually have a ton of optimism going forward for next season. Because Mitchell, if he was on a-, a broken ankle or whatever the hell he had, man, wow, that was awesome. Imagine what he can. He'll be the greatest player ever. <laughs> if I if I concede that he played on one leg, which I don't, but if I did, then he's going to be the greatest player ever. Because look what he did on one leg. So it stands to reason with one leg, once he has two, he just doubles it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. They're going to go 16 really, and zero. That's really not how that works. <laughs> because I don't concede that he played on one leg. So you're right. That's exactly not how You don't how think he was limited by his injury? I don't think he played on one leg. I can repeat it if you didn't hear me. I don't think he played on one leg. And I didn't say did he play on one leg. I said, do you think he, he was limited by... He played on one leg like 20 times last week. I just week. said... Come do on, you think he was back limited? me up. Do you think he was limited by his injury? I think he was highly effective. I don't. I'm not a doctor. I agree. He was I'm highly not a doctor. effective. I don't know. I, don't I agree. Know. He was highly effective. I, he, I, if he says he was, then he was. That's uh, all that matters. Okay. If he says he was, then he was. That's the, not my point. My point is, it when he gets healthy, stands to reason that production would increase. So there's if and we all we both agree on that. So if he's if he says he was impacted, which he clearly was, then when he's healthy. Could 100%. he do even more? He's he's going to. I think he's so going too. to. So, which seems absurd to say on the surface, not, because not at to me. Thirty nine and nine, he's off the charts. Not, it uh, doesn't seem absurd to me. I believe this guy is going to be an all timer. I believe that Stephen Smith got run for saying he's the best right now. And maybe it's outlandish because he's in his fourth year. But when he's in his 15th year, he, if he's played 15 years for this franchise, I believe, yes, that's highly probable that he will be the best of all time. I believe in this kid as much or more than anybody. So that's the point I'm making. My optimism for next season is him being healthy and just natural improvement from 24 to 25 is going to occur no matter what, just the fact that he's going to come back. He's alive. <laughs> if he sat and eat Doritos all summer, he's going to be better next season because he's going to go from 24 to 25. So my optimism for next season is centered around him. Because we're sitting here discussing depth, and clearly depth has played a role, or depth or lack of depth, yes. has played a role for a lot of teams in this postseason. But historically, when we go to postseasons, we don't look at depth. We usually look at who's got the best star, which star can elevate his game. I think that's changing. I think the nature of the five out, nobody in, everybody handles the ball, and who yeah, do they leave and help a on? Terrence Mann can be a factor. Years ago, Terrence Mann is not a factor. The three-point is not a factor. You look at the great Celtics and Lakers teams. They're taking three, four, five-pointers, three-pointers a game. Yeah. So, the, yes, exactly, as you just said it, and you understand the game better than I do, and that, that sums it up as to why you need these guys. It has become baseball, in a sense, where these no-name dudes come up with runners on and come through, and you didn't expect it. And that's what the unexpected is one of the beauties of sports. And Terrence Mann in game six was clearly the unexpected. Now it happened against you, so you don't view it as a beauty. And that's the problem. You did your your team right now in the postseason didn't have a player 
capable of doing what Terrence Mann did. Terrence Mann himself is not capable of doing it that much. But he did it on a night yes. that really mattered. And you don't have anybody or didn't have anybody with the injuries who was capable of doing that. So all this enormous pressure was on a kid like Mitchell. And he came through with flying colors. But he didn't have help. He didn't have a Terrence man. He didn't have a Reggie Jackson that can just repeatedly hit big shots. And the solid play of a Batum. And even Morris, you got to give Morris credit, man. He drives me nuts. But you've got to, you got to say... He, he can play. He can't play every game. That's why he's a role player. But he can come up and do something for you. And that's I, I'm now in the four guys with the Clippers to where they offset Kawhi Leonard, of all people, who's recognized as one of the top two or three two-way players in the game. They went 2-0 without him. No big deal because of these role guys. So that's what you got to do because Mitchell's going to come back. Mitchell already is a beast. He's even going to be beastier in the coming years because I don't think he's in his prime. So I have all sorts of optimism for this team going forward because of somebody like Mitchell. He's under contract, what, for the next three or four years? And he's just, he's really just, I don't want to say he's scratching the surface. I, because I think that he's shown a lot already, but I will say he's coming into his own. And the consistency and the greatness that we saw is what we're going to see. And we're going to see it in the postseason. The regular season, eh, okay, just get get through it. But in the postseason, we're going to see him really, really stand out like we did. With the injury that he had, he still was just incredible. So it's going to get even better. So they got to find a way to get some gamers that won't wilt in the postseason like the Clippers have. I mean, you can point to the buyouts, and that's great. But Morris was there. Terrence Mann was there. Zubac was there. Those guys weren't buyouts. Because once you introduce the buyouts, oh, well, they were going to go there. And what you're saying is we can't help it. No, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You got to find a way. No excuses, man. You want to win? No excuses. That's what it's about. And is it harder? Sure. I get it. It's harder to do. You still got to do it. If you want to win it all, and they do want to win it all, I believe that. We all believe that. They're going to have to find a way to get that done. And I believe they can. I think the closer you get to getting it done, the easier it is to win on the buyout market. Because I think that's what those guys are looking for. They're looking for a chance to win. They're looking for a chance to play in a spotlight. And in a lot of cases, not every case, but in a lot of cases, they're looking for a chance to use that postseason as a springboard to another deal. And it looks like Reggie's going to do it. Yeah, but I have no idea what Reggie Jackson was looking for because it wasn't this season. It was a year ago. Yeah, but what was Batum looking for? Okay, you can go to him. Right. Yeah. He's one guy. But and, I don't, and what Batum was, is way down the list what was of Blake, guys I worry about on the Clippers. What was Blake Griff looking I And I get that. But I think you ought to have a good team that's eight or nine deep. So when you go to the buyout market, you're not looking for a starter because you're right. Then you're going to get a guy who's way down the list and he's probably not going to be good enough for that role. But are guys 9, 10, 11, are you using those for kind of young guys on their way up? Or do you need veterans who are 
tested and have been in the playoffs before. Uh, Reggie Jackson's been in the playoffs before. Terrence Mann hasn't. You're right. He hasn't. <laughs> and he hit. But you already got I those. I want gamers, man. But you've got those kind of guys on your roster. You've got young guys on the way up who haven't done it. Now they didn't do it. Some of them didn't really would tell you, well, I didn't really get a chance to do it because you didn't think I could. Well, I... Uh, you're talking me to, only uh, got to play oh, I Brantley. Didn't know, I didn't know you were talking to Clippers Brantley or Jazz. Brantley didn't. You know, who would have been in the Jazz's oh, None of those guys man. were. That was part of the issue yeah. between, in management, that they weren't developing the guys. And then and the Tribune uh, had a phenomenal yeah. story. They did great reporting on it. It wasn't really news to people who've been around, but it was to the general public. And so they did, those guys did a great, great piece on that. Go look it up. Great reporting by those guys. And... They talked about how one wanted you to develop. The other guys didn't think they the, they were good enough. That, yeah, yeah, and he's charged with winning games. You can see why there would be a difference of opinion because if I'm charged with winning games, i got to win games. Uh, so I, I get the conflict there. Uh, unfortunately, maybe I – mean, I think I could be wrong because I'm not a basketball talent evaluator by any stretch. It seems like they got like five, six guys on the bench that just sit there. Yeah, and really don't do a whole. Well, and I think that goes to the essence. I don't know that they have promised either. That goes to the essence of what you're just talking about in the trip story. Whereas you look at the Clippers, and at different times you can say, "Well, guy, ten, eleven, or twelve contributed. Not every night, certainly, but they got something out of this guy." Now that's its own trick, and Ty Lue probably deserves more credit because you you can't keep twelve guys happy. Well, he kept them happy enough. I mean, behind the scenes, they could be pretty bitter. Any any player could be thinking, I should be playing more. But Ty Lue and that coaching staff, and then the, the player leadership probably to some degree too, when guys aren't contributing, they didn't blow things up and have some meltdown. And then when their chance came, maybe not every night, but on some night, they seized it. And a guy 10, 11, or 12. And the Jazz didn't get anything out of a guy 10, 11, or 12. Back to your point about you're going to have injuries. It sucks. It wrecks a lot of teams, but some teams have fought through it, at least to date. It may, the injuries may still wreck them, but you list all the guys. I mean, I don't know if you want to run through the whole Lakers. Has they they Patrick Patterson kept him afloat? Should I be counting him or not? No. No, he hasn't got anything. You're talking, him, speaking right? of the Clippers? Yeah, he's not. He doesn't play. Yeah. So, but he's George, vet, George Leonard, Morris, Beverly, Ibaka, Rondo, Zubak. Kennard, Batum, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, I'm 11 guys deep. DeMarcus Cousins, I'm 12 guys deep. Yeah, you got to put Cousins on that list. Right. There have been stretches where he's given them 10 good minutes. Last night, or yeah. last game, I should say. Right. Yeah, sure. So if you just line up how many guys contribute for the Jazz at some point and how many contribute for the Clippers. Oh, especially when we're just talking postseason, too. Well, that's what's fresh in our mind. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that, and that's why I was, was going if on Patterson. Issue. I can't remember. No, him. he hasn't played. Yeah, you can just look up the stats and see that GPS. Is okay, like, it's not. So then it's eleven. Yeah. Uh, they have a guy at the end of the bench, Chase Scrub. Who? Who must get jo- jokes about him being a scrub? Never heard of him. Me neither. He's a twenty-year-old kid on a two-way contract. Where is he from? I'll have to click. Keep on an him. eye on him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh. Is I think oh, going- he went to high school. You know who knows him? <laughs> Donovan probably knows something about him because he went to Trinity High School in Louisville, Kentucky. He's a second-round pick. I think going forward, those types of players are going to be even more important. The two-way? 
not necessarily the two way, the, the end of the bench guys. Oh, okay. Because I think that, and, and this is just me, and I don't have any analytical studies to back this up whatsoever, but it just seems like the league, top to bottom, has, you can argue that it has more talent than ever. You know, particularly with all the foreign guys and all. Foreign guys now come over, and if they succeed, they, we don't really bat an eyelash. You know, if they succeed the level of Doncic, we're extremely impressed, obviously. But We're the, not even shocked by that. The basketball world has really, really grown. And so you can get these guys that have a skill set, and now shooting has taken on such a high level of skill set so they can come in and stand in a corner and make 10 threes in a game, which is outrageous. You, you, you wouldn't have ever have heard that back when, but you hear about it now. So you've got to find a way to find those guys because they're out there, man. They are definitely out there, and you just named a bunch off the Clipper roster, and they're out there. And I think that's what this team needs, find a way to find some of those guys who basically can sit around for a good while but get called upon and get hot and really take the pressure off a kid like Mitchell who has a, a tremendous burden and he carries it so well. He needs some help. He needs some role dudes. Maybe guys we never even heard of. Like a Royce O'Neal we never heard of, really. until. And that's a great example, although he's a higher role player. I'm not even talking to his level of role player because – He's he's oh, he's a starter. He's now. a very high role player. He's a starter, and clearly, when we're naming Clippers and we're getting you know nine, ten, eleven, twelve deep, you're talking about guys who not only aren't starters, they aren't even rotation guys. They're going to have to sit for long stretches sometimes, yeah. But then they're not going to be divisive and nightmares. I mean, the Clippers just went through that the year before, right? That's all we heard. They, they had said. to change over the roster. The chemistry sucked. They changed the coaching staff. They changed well, the head that, coach. That's an issue if you bring in these veterans you're talking about because it's obvious in your comments that that's what you're slanted toward. But there right. also comes with some baggage, too. Abs- there's a huge risk. Whereas the young dude is grateful more, to be there. Right. More likely to be... Yeah, keep grinding. Or maybe, maybe we're off base here, and it's on this coach to develop those guys. And maybe they have some of those guys, but they weren't developed. I'm not or, sure what or, that answer is. Or they have them, and they just aren't there yet. Well, that's what developing is, right? That's but the there's still got to be. There's still got to be an arc. And when it comes, to this, but they got to play. They're not. They're never going to get there unless they don't play. Then who are you sitting? Who should have been out? Well, gosh, look at see, yeah. some of the guys who didn't produce in the playoffs. And then two or three of them didn't do what they were capable of doing. That's so why I, st- I still believe in my essence that this so, team is close. It's not that far away. Because I'm not asking for stars. I'm asking for some role players to up their game in the case of injury. And if you have Mike Conley on your roster, you're probably going to have an injury. Because he doesn't play that many games. Six years now. And I want him back. I hope he resigns. 56 games, 69 games, 12, 70, 41, and 51. That number doesn't figure to get a lot bigger at the age of 34. No. So. The, if you got the, uh, what, the 69-game year or the 70-game year next year, you'd be ecstatic. 
Well, postseason. I, yeah. I want postseason. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Question of the day, part two. Mull it over. How much does small market Milwaukee winning the ship help the Jazz? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Reminding you of the top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1:30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 in 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. How much does small market Milwaukee winning the championship help the Jazz win the ship? Jack ship. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> now that one you had you were waiting on. No. That just came to you right now? Yeah. No. Oh, we believe what you Come want. On. I've never tried to convince anybody of the truth. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that just came to you right now. If you don't want to believe it, I'm that's not, your I'm call. I'm not going to lie. The way, we you, go- the way we, you delivered it. it we like golfed yesterday afternoon, and we were running through for a little while things he'd said well, and gee, thanks how quickly the they came to him. You were in your men's league. I know. Just, <laughs> you heard us talk about it after <laughs> the show. Shh. <laughs> Let him play the victim. <laughs> it's the way of the world. How'd it go? It's all right. It's hot. It's hot, yeah. But I mean, I already know it's hot. Uh, I could have played better. I played okay. Yeah, you played all right. Snake dogs coming along. There were some ups. There were some downs. We like to hear. Yeah, fewer downs, more ups. Slow progress. Gray says it does nothing for the Jazz. Now you think it? And they are two two with the Hawks. Let's not count the chickens too soon. Well, I agree with that. I don't know that the Bucks are going to win it. Yeah, I think that there's something to the payoff of a star staying put, not running off to a bigger market or to form a super team or whatever, and showing that that is a path to a championship. I think if if the guys who get the championships are the guys who keep running off to form super teams in big markets, that just encourages more young guys to run off and form super teams in big markets. So these guys are just a bunch of followers. There's a lot of that going on. There'll always be somebody who goes against the grain, even if... I don't like so, those guys. <laughs> Good one. Uh, there'll always be somebody who goes against the grain, but it just is it more common or less common? Depends on who the individual is. It does. That's part of it. But I, I just think to have a role model out there to say, see, you can do it this way and get the title, that's a positive for all the small markets. So San Antonio hasn't been done? In terms of it doesn't matter, it's too old? Obviously, San Antonio did it. but, but I, mean, most, I know they've done it, but I mean, it's too old. Yes. I think most of that run was pre-Super Team, and I do think that there's a real short memory. We're eight years removed from their last title. Okay. But we're basically 15 years removed from when they were on really on top of the world. 
but they did have those last two deep runs where you know they won one right at the end and lost one right at the end. But that was the start of the super team era. And for someone who's 24 years old and trying to decide, hey, what do I want to do? How do I want to play this going forward? 15 years ago, who knows? See, I don't think there's been any formations of super teams. I think that I, I disagree on that very premise. The Heat, the Warriors, the Nets, the Clippers, the Lakers. Now, a super team could just be two free agents aligning. Maybe you don't like the term super team for that, but that's what I'm getting at. But you named multiple teams where LeBron went. True story. So where he, in his prime, as you once said, Agent out the backside of his prime. Yes. So where he went, because he wanted to, why not put Cleveland in there when they had Irving and Love? They drafted Irving. Then Love was the third guy. I mean, you could, but it feels like a fringe example. Irving was drafted, so that well, was part no of the Well, it's no less of a fringe example than the Warriors. The Warriors are a mixed bag, no doubt, because their first championship was drafted and it was not a super team. And then they added Durant and won two more titles. Right. But we're just asking for one here. <laughs> we, 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 are. we are. We <laughs> are. We are. So the Warriors, who were pathetic for years and years, they go like 14 years without making the playoffs, which mm-hmm. is shocking to me. Yep. The way the NBA is They got set new up. ownership, they got new management, and that story flipped from one of the worst teams in yeah. the league to the best. Right. And they got a trillion dollar building and they're, you yep. know, all that and everything. And a woke coach. I mean, that, you get everything they need. So they became a super team after they already won. There's no question they became one. Yes. But they won before. So in my mind, if you're looking for what the Jazz are trying to accomplish, the Warriors already did it. They built through the draft. And not even necessarily a top five pick. No. Thompson and uh, Curry, neither of them. Now, Curry was, I think, a sixth. So he's yeah, on, but the, on the border. But right. Thompson was uh, 10, 11, But, it, but even with 12, Curry, it there. doesn't seem the same as sitting there and having Shaq fall to you at number one. It's a different deal. Getting Curry at six, who is not an obvious... Slam dunk megastar in the making. Although that's what he turned one. out to be. If, right. If he was. Yeah. So the but Warriors the, became the, one. The, the Warriors are a mixed bag, but the message was Durant couldn't get it in Oklahoma City, so he better go to Golden State and get it. Well, that's he decided that's what the message was. Right. And you don't want stars you don't want stars in small markets deciding that if you're a fan rooting for a team in one of the smaller markets. But they'd already won one. We're looking for one. The Warriors are a role model for the Jazz. Yes. They already won one. And LeBron went to Miami. LeBron won with less talent in Miami. So he's LeBron. Guys like him. He won with less talent than what? Than he had in Cleveland the first time? I think he upgraded his talent when he went from Cleveland the first time to Miami. I'm talking about the second time. When he won, he didn't win the first time in Cleveland. I'm talking about the second, second time. Second time, yeah. When he won in Cleveland, he won with less talent than he had in Miami. But they did orchestrate the love deal. Yeah. Well, you do. So you're right. I can put him on the super the, team. I think it. You did. I think it's. I didn't, and I didn't. Right. I get why people would, but I didn't, and I still don't want to. He's a super but, team unto himself. True story. Agreed. And we may go 
20 years without, without seeing, seeing another a, a LeBron. Because he's literally a generational talent. Yeah. Yes. I agree with all of that. So but anyway, message, and so he went to the Lakers. And I, I get that. Anthony Davis didn't win in, he so didn't win in Le- Jack Ship without Le- LeBron. <laughs> I agree. And you got to be, you say that slow and we're good. Very careful. Very <laughs> careful with that. Yes. Right. Tread very so lightly here. I don't know that I consider the Lakers a super team but because message, it's LeBron. But the, but the message to A, yeah, but you don't get to rule it out because it's LeBron. I realize but it helps your he argument. Goes. Yes, and he's, he's the LeBron. rare stud the, who moved. Right, studs don't usually and move. And I get your argument about the Lakers. Well, and that's right. Well, Durant. a lot of studs. What Anthony Davis? Uh, again, he didn't win Jack Ship without LeBron. Is he really a stud unto himself? AD moved and got a title. Kevin Durant with LeBron moved and got two titles. Good for him. Yeah. So if Antetokounmpo didn't like playing with Westbrook, all sorts of problems with Westbrook. Right. If Antetokounmpo doesn't move and wins a championship, I think that's a plus. If he doesn't win the title and Paul George wins, well, there's a guy who left Indiana and went to LA and got it. And I just think that message repeatedly. The Clippers are a super team. Is now? not. Well, yeah. When Kawhi Leonard says, <laughs> "I will come if you go get him." I mean, let's say it. Nobody wants Donovan Mitchell to leave here. Captain Obvious. You don't want to say it out loud, but nobody wants him to leave. But I'll if the message is the only way AD <laughs> got the title was to go go to LeBron in L.A. The only way KD got the title was to go to Steph in That's a the lot San of Francisco initials. Bay Area. The only way Antetokounmpo can get a title is stay put and win in a small market. I think it would be good if that message is out there. And you're right. People will still make decisions based on their own situation. So nothing guarantees anything. I just think it'd be good if there's a role model of, hey, this guy stayed put and won in a small market. Foreign guys don't move. Okay, but Donovan Mitchell isn't a foreign guy. Right. So the point being that it doesn't count with Antetokounmpo. You're right, because he isn't a foreign guy. He precise. That's exactly still, my argument. But he's a sm- but he's still a really talented player who won a championship in a smaller, colder market. Well, he didn't. Well, if he does, <laughs> that's why you root for him. I get it. And now he's hurt, and I don't know how bad it is, and blah blah blah. Well, this was a better question yesterday. Twenty-six years old. There's next year. Right. Yeah, I know. But we want everything now, and I wanted it now in three weeks. Uh, I think the American player to a degree, is going to have stars in his eyes. And at the same time, Paul George re-signed in Oklahoma City. And Durant gave nine years to Oklahoma City. Yep. I mean, we're overlooking. He was almost there an entire decade. Mm -hmm. Any draft, any draft you go into, I'll give you the player, the caliber of a Donovan Mitchell in this draft, and you have him for nine years, do you say yes or no? Well, absolutely. <laughs> but we also know that most champions, and maybe this will change, players getting better, younger, and improving faster, but that kind of championship window, 27 to 32, LeBron has certainly stretched it out. So I would assume, and I guess we could get Barry Trammell on here, that there's a certain amount of angst. Like Durant played great basketball in Oklahoma City for a long time, but is he playing his best basketball for the Warriors and the Nets. He had the Achilles, so that's limiting. But it, it still bugs him. And the championship window, I mean, Paul George is playing his best basketball to 31. Well, nine years doesn't get you to 31. 
He's definitely seems to have figured something out. He seems to be playing much bigger or much better, you know, under the biggest spotlight than he has in the past. And it may not be enough. Okay. But he's, he's taking a step forward. So, yes, I would absolutely give me some generational talent. I'd absolutely take him for nine years, but I'm greedy. I would also take him for 14. Well, if you have him for nine, maybe you have a better chance to have him for 14. I believe that. Depending yeah. on how good your team is. Yep. And if the Thunder had won a title, does Durant leave? That is an excellent question. They were in the Western Conference Finals he, on the cusp. Right, but, but he might, NBA to PK's finals, point, they? He, they did make the finals, you're right. He might have taken finals. off anyway. I mean, LeBron won in Cleveland, and it's like, I did my thing for Cleveland, now I'm taking off for L.A. Well, Westbrook lost Durant and uh, Paul George. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up in our next segment, got some B's tickets to uh, give away. We will do that coming up. Also, we've got uh, Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer. We can run all this by him at 9 o'clock. And also coming up, 9.30, excuse me, thank you. Yes, 9.30. Also coming up, Brian Costello, Jets reporter for WFAN in New York. Absolutely. He's going to be talking about the 2021 Rookie of the Year. That's coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Rough Tough Products. Rough Tough sets the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best-fitting seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle and do business with a Utah company that's been around since 1976. Check them out today at roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. Yeah, it's appropriate that Rough Tough is advertising with our show. That's what I bring every day. Passion. Belief. Intensity. I got you popular right here. I'm about making a point. And I think I made my point rather well today. All those agree, honk your horn right now. (laughs) I didn't cut you off. Why are you honking honking your horn? (laughs) Go on. There's some crazy driving in your neighborhood last weekend. I honked my horn big time. I laid on the horn. That's because you're hot-tempered. Yeah, right? <laughs> Stayed 90th. Megan left. Dude ran the red light. Three of us got cut off. Stood on our brakes. But I was hot-tempered one who laid on the horn. How are these NBA teams able to keep winning playoff games without their best players? And Hector tweets at us, We often forget that the guys at the end of the bench that rarely play can still get buckets. Not if they don't play. Jonathan says, major buckets. Yeah, we highlight the stars, rightfully so, but every single dude on an NBA bench is a cold cat. Look at Elijah Bryant and Sam Merrill. What about him? <laughs> that Jonathan, by the way, is Jonathan Tavernari. Oh. <laughs> He's pumping up his guys. Sure, yeah. A couple of Utah guys, it's great. That's the thing about the Clippers, though, is those guys who came through, they play. You know, they're not just sitting on the end of the bench. They don't have big games all the time, but they're at least getting out on the floor with some degree of regularity. 
Well, the Jazz had nine guys who were getting out on the floor with regularity. Right, but without Conley, that drops to eight. Yes, true story. And Favors is a one-dimensional guy. Now we're at seven. Right. So if you're looking for, because we're gonna, we're not gonna remember Terrence Mann for his great defense. <laughs> right? We're gonna remember for sturdy. Remember him for lining up corner threes. Right. So that's what you're looking for, and the same thing with Reggie Jackson. You're you're gonna remember and Marquise Mar or uh, is it Marquise or Marcus? Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. So Marcus Morris. That's what you're gonna remember him for, right? And so it's. We thought the Jazz had all this great shooting, but then in the postseason, man, it got really, really thin. Right, you got Mike gone, and obviously Favors is not go- he's not on the team and not playing 15 minutes a game to score, particularly obviously from the outside. So you're right. Now you, you are down to seven, and Rudy isn't much of a scorer, certainly not in the three-point range, zero. Now you're down to six. And it seemed like the Clippers, they had seven or eight guys capable of hitting two or three or four. And in the case of man, even beyond that, obviously, big uh, three-pointers. And it seemed like Jackson, I don't know what he shot, but it seemed like, man, when he was open, he never missed. So in a sense, those were almost like bonus points. And the Jazz didn't have anybody giving them bonus points. So as much as we scream we want guys to play 82 games, then what you really need is to develop that depth and to have more guys get experience is you need everybody to sit 20 games a year. I mean, one of the reasons the Clippers have so much depth and so many guys get to play is that they don't have guys playing those massive minutes, right? Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's at the... But, but Paul George missed a bunch of games, well, they usually too. miss about 20. Yeah. Give or take. And this year, Kawhi missed exactly 20. Paul missed 18. And so that, Which is a higher percentage this year because he only played right. 72. Yeah. But that opens up playing time and shots to get all these other guys okay, experience. But I don't think that the coach was willing to play those guys because he didn't think they were good enough. Right. But you're forced to play guys. No, you're not. Well, yeah. Mie only played when, when uh, Conley. Now, well, you can guys, argue he should have played guy. more. You're right. But the Jazz had one star missing games. Now, when they went down two. Who else got minutes? I mean, well, some of them uh, went to Joe. Joe Forrest. played bigger minutes. Yes, Forrest got got some playing time. Yeah. It's an interesting dilemma that they have there with those guys because you're you're charged to win games, but then you're supposed to develop. And. I remember Majerus saying many times over when guys were thinking about leaving, and of course he had a stake on if they stayed, but he would say, you can't get better sitting on the bench. There's no amount of practice that is going to make you better, and in particular in a league which doesn't practice that much anyway, relatively speaking, compared to the colleges when you're practicing every day, basically, that you're not playing except for maybe one. And so you don't do that. So what is Quinn Snyder supposed to do? You put in Mieoni, and it seems like it's just one name, by the way. Like, it's not just a last name. It's got to say Mieoni. You put in Oni. Uh, Yeah, nobody ever says that. No. Well, 
him at a corner three, you just hope that it doesn't clank and the other team gets a fast break over it because it's probably not going in. I mean, you got to be real here. He made a few when he started, and then he missed a lot. But yet he's getting 0 for 1, 0 for 2. Mm-hmm. What do you expect him to do? <laughs> he's, he's not getting enough opportunity to get in any form of rhythm. So it's the, is it not the sort of the ultimate catch-22? Catch-22. I thought you were going to go chicken and the egg, but catch-22 works. Yeah. The old Karnak routine in Johnny Carson. What happens when the other team hits 100 pop-ups to the Dodgers? <laughs> catch-22. <laughs> I did not remember that. <laughs> A little Karnak there, people. <laughs> of all those years. That's what stuck with you. And uh, Jay Leno, when that Anna Nicole Smith married that uh, 80, 88-year-old oil magnet. Mm-hmm. And how do they have uh, relations? Where there's a will, there's a way. Hell! <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it's double meaning there. So... What what did you expect out of the kid? I mean, I'm cracking on him, but realistically, what do I expect of him? I and mean, he's getting a, here's your shot, buddy. Literally, here's your shot. <laughs> and you better make it. Here is your shot. Not That's not a saying. That's a literal situation. And I get it. But there are other people who are like, well, you don't have to miss your first shot. You You're can only make getting your first one. one. You can make your first one, you get a second. <laughs> Can you imagine the enormous pressure? I do. I totally get that. <laughs> I'm that I totally get that. Some second round pick trying to make his way here. Yeah. You got. I'm gonna, you're going to get a shot. <laughs> oh man, that's a tough situation to be in, though. I mean, how do you expect them to succeed when you're getting? And then you may not get another one for two weeks. <laughs> It's a hard deal for these guys to develop with the pressure of trying to win games. You know, that number one seed was so paramount, and then in the end it didn't much matter. No. Didn't matter for Philly either. I don't think it matters for anybody. Some teams just happen to have it, and then they cash in on it. No, they don't happen to have it. They're the best team. That's why they got it. And that's why they got the championship. Yeah. So they don't happen to get it. They're just, they're really, really good. So it maybe you back off a little bit on that. Maybe we'll see that with the change in management, but, uh, you know, what do you dictate to the coach to do and how much do you want to get involved in that? How does that work? So I can I can clearly see both sides of the story here, and I don't know that I can necessarily pick a side. Normally I pick a side if even if uh, just for the sake of discussion and you pick the wrong side and then away we go. Uh, so on this one, I don't know that I can pick a side. <laughs> You're a little late on that one. I was. I was. <laughs> 
I didn't realize you were talking about you and me. Oh. I was like, well, how does that apply to, I don't get how that applies to, to Quinn and to Dennis. Oh, wait, it doesn't. It applies to me. And then I laughed and then you said I was late. That's what was going on in my uh, mind. Okay. I got it. I, I feel for both sides. I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't know that you go this way for sure. You're all in this way. Uh, and you're all in that way. I, 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 I don't know what to say. Well, what? I think you've already said it. I think you've already picked your side. You just don't know it. What? When you said favors is one-dimensional. Okay, what do you mean? Explain. Well, I think, I think Dennis likes the traditional big and the four shooters. He was, there was a press conference, and we were all trying to find out if favors was going to be back or not, right? And we kind of knew the answer, but you need him to say it. And he, and he started going in, we don't win the Clipper series a year ago without Derek Favors. Oh, yeah, I asked the question. Which is true, right. And you knew what the answer was, but you were trying to get him to say it. I mean, since we're at this press conference, we might as well try to have people, you know, the people in charge of the decisions kind of tell us what they're going to do. Well, I asked him, and can his, you afford da- uh, 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 Favors at $19 million? Right. No, they couldn't, which is what they didn't. Exactly. And they still haven't. But he said, we don't win that Clipper series without Derek because that's the series where Rudy gets hurt in the opening minute of game one and yeah. doesn't come back until game five, and the Jazz end up winning in seven. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so he likes bigs. Now, in the last draft, and in that Trib story you reference that's got, if you, you may know some of it as a fan, you might have figured some of it out, you know, and seen some of it play out, but they got it all there in one place. They got a whole bunch of stuff. Great story. Right? You guys did a great job on okay. it. Okay. So in that story, they talk about the divide on, do you, on the last draft pick. Do you go get Azubuike or not? And there's an argument for and an argument against. And Dennis clearly liked the argument for. Dennis likes the bigs, believes in the rim-protecting big who dominates the paint. And I think Quinn, although he appreciates it, I mean, we've heard him say it about Rudy a million times, uh, he wants smaller, more mobile guys. I think Quinn would prefer to have a bunch of six, eight, six, nine guys who can all shoot the three and who can all move. Uh-huh. And which way is the roster going? And there's this push-pull. And if you're going to get Azubuike, well, then you're not going to get somebody else, right? Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody available. So, but they want to take a shot at somebody. I mean, maybe they think they can develop them. Maybe that guy who didn't develop there would have developed here. Yeah, yeah, I you gotcha. know. So I think that's the inevitable push-pull. And so now, which way do I think the Jazz are going to go in the future? And as soon as I say it, and I don't know, you know, they'll probably go over here and they'll draft some 7-4 guy we've never heard of. But I think we're going to see him go more for that 6-8, guy who's long and athletic and can protect them. Okay, now, everybody wants the bench, What's the difference? Well, maybe he wouldn't sit on the bench, though, because Quinn would think he helps more. Okay. If so, yeah. But was that guy really on the roster? I'd play him if I have him, but I don't have him. You know. Now we're we're kind of guessing here. We know some stuff. We don't know all of it. But I think that's the way they're headed. DJ and PK coming up. What's he going to be, PK? The rookie of the year? Yeah. 
Did the Jets have the rookie of the year? Is he the number two pick? Oh, no, I think it's obvious. Out of man. BYU. Jets There's reporter no Brian Costello, WFAN in New York, joins us next. Stay with us. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk Jets football with Brian Costello. Reporter for the New York Post and WFAN, Brian, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Did you ever think you'd be on the radio in Utah? <laughs> I've actually been on the radio in Utah quite a bit over the last uh, <laughs> I, I bet you have. <laughs> Brian Costello, join us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. All right, so uh, I guess first impressions, and do you really put any put anything in anything you've seen so far? Because it's way early. Yeah, yeah, no, you take everything with a grain of salt in the spring. They're in shorts. There's no tackling, um, you know, so you, you kind of just have to view it through that lens, but... I thought Zach had a good spring. Uh, he didn't look confused. You know, that's something that can happen even in the spring. He looked like he knew where he had to go with the ball, uh, and he was uh, he made some wow throws, you know, which he expects from a guy taking number two overall. Uh, but he looked like he belonged, and he, he didn't look overwhelmed at, at, at any time. And there was no practices where he had four interceptions or anything like that. He, he had a couple – couple interceptions here and there but a lot of times it was tip balls and things like that there, there weren't many throws that made you go uh, that was a terrible throw so um you know overall i thought he was pretty impressive this spring so it looks like they're hitching their wagon to him it's a new coaching staff and all that so there's some level of optimism do you believe that they are going to just stick with him through thick and thin knowing that there's probably going to be some, well, I don't know if it's thin or thick, whichever is the bad of the two going forward. <laughs> He's going to have some growing pains. Does he have to look over his shoulder? Oh, he doesn't look over his shoulder. There's no one there. <laughs> so, I mean, the Jets are really taking a huge risk in their backup quarterback situation, in my opinion, because they don't have a quarterback on the roster right now who's ever taken a snap in an NFL game. Um, so that's not something that's recommended. Uh, and, you know, the, the, I haven't seen a quarterback go through 16 games here since 2015, probably was the last time, and that was after Geno Smith got punched and broke his jaw in training camp and Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starter. But there was almost always this, you know, a little injury here and there. Where guys admit with a starting quarterback this time, and right now the Jets have James Morgan, who was a fourth-round draft choice last year and didn't play it all last season, and Mike White, who's uh, been kicked around for a little while but never played in the game, as Zach's backups, and so he has. There's no threat to Zach right now. He's he's all he's there's there's no one. He doesn't need to look over his shoulder. There's no one there right now. So, what is the number one challenge for Zach Wilson in your mind? I think it's the same as you know every rookie quarterback is just adjusting to NFL defenses. You know the defenses are going to be so much different than what he saw at BYU. 
And I mean, even if he had, even if he had played an SEC schedule, the defenses are different. And now you're talking about, you know, the, the teams that he played at BYU last year were not, you know, even even that caliber. So it's going to be defensive coordinators are going to mess with him. Um, and you know, week two, the Jets play the Patriots. And Bill Belichick loves to face rookie quarterbacks, and he's going to throw things at Zach that he's never seen before, and he's going to have to adjust and adapt. And and you know the coaches are going to have to help him through that, really. But I think that that's a big thing. And you know the Jets are they're not ready to win right now. They're better than they were last year, but they were a two-win team last year. So he's better four wins this year, five wins. You know, like so he's going to have to adjust to that and adjust to. Uh, things things do not go well in the NFL for, unless you're Patrick Mahomes. Really, there, there's a lot of adversity, and he's going to have to. We have to see how he handles that. So, Brian, I was born in Exus County, grew up in Morris County, so I understand the people. I am one of them. I am not a nice guy, like Jets fans aren't either. And we hear a lot about that in the New York media, and I realize they play in Jersey and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, it seems like that Zach has, from our perspective out here the temperament to handle all that. What have you seen as far as that goes? Yeah, I think he's well-equipped for it. Um, you know, the people here sometimes make uh, uh, they made a thing of, oh, he, he's from Utah or he played at BYU. But to me, the BYU quarterback, is that's a big position. Yeah. You know, that, that is, you're, you're under, the, under the microscope if you're the BYU quarterback. Um, so I don't see much of a difference for him uh, coming here in that regard in football terms. What's different in New York, than anywhere else is off the field. All right. If Zach decides to go out after a game and have dinner with his teammates and that kind of thing and drinks in New York, it's going to be in the paper the next day. That's how, you know, we have page six in the New York post. (laughs) That's where all the gossip is. If, if Zach, you know, has a new girlfriend and it's going to be in the paper. If Zach's mom is saying stuff on Instagram, it's going to be on our (laughs) website. Like there's, that's kind of different than what he's probably used to at BYU or if he had been drafted by Jacksonville or drafted by, uh, you know, a team not in his market. Um, that's where it's different. Football-wise, I, I don't think it's different than anywhere else. You know, these guys are always under the microscope, and it's the same way here as it was in Provo form. Well, if he went out for drinks here, it would be in the paper, too. But that's the, true. That's the true. Instagram, <laughs> that got a laugh out of PK, so that was good. good well, yeah, good I mean, we there. didn't do anything with his mother, and now I understand she's, she blew up right out, or right off the bat with some stuff. that, I mean, she's a flamboyant gal and all that stuff, and, you know, she loves to put herself out there. But yeah. we, we just kind of well, roll with it. It doesn't really make news the way it already has there. Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll tell you, like, you know, Mark Sanchez was the quarterback, right? The, the, our paper, we, we, got, um, we actually sent the reporter, we, this is when Tebow was on the team. We got a tip that Tebow was living at a golf course in New Jersey. And we sent a reporter and a photographer to try to track Tebow down, right? They didn't find Tebow. He wasn't there. But what they did see was Mark Sanchez eating uh, on his porch. He lived on the golf course with Ava Longoria. So they took pictures of it. And well, it was of course, the, the paper the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, so that's for me. I have to go to Mark. Well, you know, sorry, Mark. You know, like you have to go. That's, I've had to deal with that with Mark and and with Sam Darnold was in, was in the paper for going out with his teammates and stuff. So that part of it is different here. Um, but you know, if he throws four interceptions here, he's going to get the same kind of scrutiny that he would get if he threw four interceptions in Kansas City or Green Bay. It's, it's the same thing, football wise. Would he make news if he goes down the shore? 
<laughs> he might. He's a, yeah, he <laughs> might. He might get some pictures. I mean, the Islanders. He went to the Islanders game. That was yeah. Uh, the one with his teammates. So um, you know, he's he's going to be a big celebrity here. So quarterbacks are celebrities, but it's still a team game. Has he got good enough teammates around him? Is the line well? Let's start with the line. Is the line yeah. going to protect him? Because when you tell me I haven't seen a quarterback go sixteen games since Fitzpatrick in uh, twenty fifteen, the first thing, first thing I think is that O line's getting the quarterbacks beat up. Yeah, and they have. Uh, this O line has been bad for a long time. Now I'll say Joe Douglas, the GM, who you know he's this, he came in two years ago after the draft, so he's had this was his second full draft this year. He's put more focus on the offensive line than his predecessors have for a while. So he drafted Mackay Beckton last year in the first round, who's you know a giant uh, six seven three sixty left tackle. He drafted Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round this year after Zach uh, from USC. So he's he just signed Morgan Moses, the former Washington right tackle. So he's making an effort. So I think they'll be better. I I don't think they're a good offensive line yet, but I don't expect them to get Zach killed this year. I, I think I think they have. Some pieces. The key with them is just staying healthy. Their offensive line has not stayed healthy. Makai Becton is a that's a big question with him. He didn't he missed two full games last year, parts of four other games. He said he missed the spring this year with a foot injury, which when you're three hundred and sixty pounds, you know, foot injury is not good. So um that's a concern for the Jets. But I think their offensive line is trending in the right direction. And and I think Zach is going to benefit from the scars that the organization has from Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, Sam was constantly under siege here. Sam didn't really have good receivers to throw to here. The organization recognizes that it did not do what it needed to do for Sam Darnold, and I think Zach Wilson's going to benefit from that. How much of a growing pain experience does the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, LaFleur need? Because he's a youngster himself. He's like 33, 34 yeah. years old, and I know he's been passing game coordinator, but yeah. I believe this would be his first running the show at the NFL level. Yeah, it will be. So, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment there. I mean, it's interesting with the coaching staff. They've got first-time head coach, first-time coordinators in both spots, Yeah, offense and defense. So there's going to be growing pains there. Uh, you know, they swear by this offense, and obviously this offense is going everywhere right now. A lot of teams are running it, the um, Shanahan offense. So they feel like it's – you know, I think Salah called it the best offense in the world. You know, to run this scheme, so uh, I think they're going to rely heavily on, on what he's learned from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he worked for Shanahan in Atlanta and in San Francisco. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's going to take him a little while. There's going to be some hiccups along the way, I'm sure, for this coaching staff. New York Post and WFAN Jets reporter Brian Costello join us here to talk about Zach Wilson and the Jets. So they're coming off a two-win season, but they're also only two years removed from a seven-win season. What constitutes an acceptable season and progress? Yeah, I don't know if there's a number like record-wise. I think it's just you need to see them trend in the right direction. I think if Zach shows a lot of promise, they'll feel good about that. They have a lot of younger players. They see some development there. They'll feel good. Um, you know, they just they looked inept last season. Um, obviously, you win two games. So they, they lost their first 13 games. They were There was games they just were not even in. Um, so I think just being more competitive, playing closer games, will be a step in the right direction. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't think 
anyone has delusions around the Jets of them being a playoff team this year. But I think if, if they can get five, six wins, uh, that's a, I think that's a huge step for them after two wins last year. Also, too, it seemed like for years the division was the big dog and then the little dogs, basically. Yeah. And obviously the Patriots have taken a little bit of a hit. We'll see to what extent. I'm not sure last year was a complete and total fair evaluation. But you look at a couple other teams, notably the Bills in the division, it seems like you know, certainly the Bills are on the come, and I can argue that the Dolphins are getting better. So I can make a, I can make a statement and have some validity that the division is getting better compared to what it used to be, which would increase the difficulty for the Jets of being successful since they have to play these teams twice each. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's more difficult because obviously when it was the Patriots, you, you had no chance. There was no chance of winning the division. You know, every year. I'm just talking about winning win games, division. though, not winning, winning the division. Games. Yeah, I mean, there's been, yeah, I, I mean, the Bills, I think the Bills right now are obviously the, the best team. I'm not sold on the Dolphins completely. I need to see more from Tua, so okay. I, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily look at that and go, oh, "That's two losses for sure." I think the Bills right now it would be a huge upset if the Jets won a game from them, and the Patriots. I don't know what to make of the Patriots. Like you said, last year was kind of a weird year for them, um, and they obviously spent a ton of money in free agency this year. So I, I'm curious to see what they look like. I, you know, it'd still be an upset, I guess, if the Jets won a game from them, but I feel like they're a little, they're closer. There, uh, the division it, it's it's more interesting than it's been in a long time. Uh, I'll say that because I don't. Since Buffalo, they look good on paper, but they're going from being you know the scrappy underdogs now to being the hunted. And I'm sure I'm curious to see how they respond to that. And, uh, and they've had very good luck with injuries the last few years. Uh, at some point, they're going to have a year where the injuries get them. Um, so it, it's a, I think the division is more open than it's been. Um, but, you know, the Jets are clearly fourth and chasing those other three teams right now. So then there's also how much good pub is the other team getting, and that's the Giants. If they are a mess, does that divert the spotlight a little bit? I mean, <laughs> you have to be good and you have to win in the long run. It's yeah. all about you. But in the short run, hey, don't look at this. Look at that wreck over there. So how good are the Giants <laughs> yeah. going to be? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they have a they have a huge question at quarterback with Daniel Jones. You know, he's entering his third year. He's sort of in the Sam Darnold seat that was last year. Uh, what well, he can do in the third year? So I think the Giants are better. They, they got Kenny Galladay, who I thought was a good signing. Um, they have Saquon Barkley coming back off at ACL. If he can be a hundred percent, they'll be a lot better, obviously, with him. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot more focus on the Giants than the Jets in terms of scrutiny this year. I think the Jets have a nice little honeymoon for this season because uh, Salah is very popular, a new coach. Uh, you know, Zach, being a rookie quarterback, is going to get a lot of slack this year. So the Giants are probably going to be a lot more under fire than the Jets this year unless they really have a, you know, horrible, horrible, horrible season. Um, but if, if, they, if they can win some games, I don't think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to the Jets' uh, problems this year. Can you save me a table at Star Tavern this weekend? <laughs> I, I am talking to you from West Orange. I know you are. New Jersey. So, yep, yep. So, there you go. Yep, I'm, I am. Uh, yeah, Star Tavern is the best uh, the best bar pizza <laughs> you'll find. 11 Lafayette Street. That's where my mother grew up in West Orange. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Small world. Yep. All the way out here, huh? Believe me, I am a fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brian, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us, and uh, we'll probably bother you again later this season. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Thanks All for right. having me. Brian Costello, reporter for the New York Post and WFAN, giving us the update on Zach Wilson. You're practically an honorary North Jersey resident, aren't you? I've gotten a lot of knowledge <laughs> for a place I've never been. I was going to say. <laughs> West Orange, that's, uh, that's where my mother grew up. That's where uh, I spent many, many, many years. That's where my, my, my grandmother grew up in a house. She grew up in the house, and then my grandfather bought the house. So they raised all 10 kids in the house. So that house had since been sold, but uh, it was in the family of over 100 years. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? Had some home repairs to do there over the course of 100 years. <laughs> yeah. And they, they don't say go to the beach there. They say down the shore. Yeah, there's a lot of words and phrases <laughs> like that that just don't don't match up. That's what they talk about. You're going down the shore this weekend. They won't say you're going to the beach. To go to the beach, do you have to go down to the shore? Is it south? A little southeast. Yeah. yeah. Not much, but yeah. But if it's a... Even if you're I just at the shore, where the you say down the shore. Yeah, I, I, just I don't wonder, know. I have no, yeah, idea. no idea. Okay. At one time, my my daughter, oh, my daughter, no, my wife was saying it to my niece. Uh, they came out to visit us in California, and she said to her, "So, do you guys, uh, do you, you going to go down the shore?" My niece, who was born and raised in Phoenix, looked at her like, "What the heck are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> she's part of the family, but she's not from the Jersey part of the family. <laughs> you got to pay to go go down the shore. Yes, you have to get beach tags. You're not allowed on the sand unless you pay. Y- yes, you have to have... That is really a foreign concept <laughs> to California guy. You can buy daily, weekly, monthly, seasonal, what they call beach tags, and then they hire kids to come around. And check your... And you, you'll be sitting there on a lounge chair, and they'll say, do you have your beach tags? And so then you have to take it out, and you have to show them... Your literal beach tags. I have some beach tags that I've kept as souvenirs. Yeah, so you have to show them, and then if you don't, then you got to go pay. Uh, some people try to sneak on. Uh, even even the boardwalk, it will end. Is that controversial go, at all? That's no, a way of life. It's just the way it is, so everyone accepts it. It's just like you don't. There's no self service gas stations. They still have. You can't mm-hmm. pump your gas. It's like Oregon. Yeah, I think that's the other state that does yeah. that, actually, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, it's the way of life. I went to Oregon. I, I tried to get out of my car and, like, no. Yeah, I know. Right? Like, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what I grew up with. I, 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 to you, it would be because it's completely and totally foreign. You don't do that at all. Right. And I've been to the beach in many places uh, on the Atlantic coast. Uh, in the West Coast, I've only been to California. Uh, as far as recreation, I mean, I've been to other, but I mean, just to go hang out at the beach, it's only been California, and obviously you don't pay, but back there you do. Just in Jersey or the whole East Coast? Does the whole East Coast No, that's what I'm saying. I've been to other places on the East Coast that, you know, my, I'm Florida, multiple places in Florida. Uh, Are free. South Carolina? Yeah, free. yeah, yeah. You just yeah, okay. walk out. I'm saying, yeah. Jersey, they have what they call, they make you pay, and you get, they call them beach tags. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer, coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. He works for Bleacher Report mode to kill with his... With them already over the cap. If they just let Mike Connolly walk away, it's not like they have the money to go replace him. Because they have bird rights and things like that, they can go over the cap to sign it. It's not as easy, you know, as, as it just seems logically. You're just like, oh, well, you can just go spend the $20 million else, elsewhere. It's not the way it works with, with the way the cast is set up in the current situation with the Jazz. They got to re-sign it. And then from there, you can build out. You got to re-sign Mike Connolly. And you got to start looking at other places and where you can make adjustments. Nothing should really be off the table except Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are coming back next year. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repairs experts for a free quote and for all your roofing needs. Call SNS Roofing and they'll get their experts on the job for you. So do you think Zach Wilson is going to be the most scrutinized player ever to come out of the state of Utah? Uh, that's a good question. Steve Young was pretty scrutinized yeah, but not over for a, a dynasty. Yeah, not, not, not immediately. I mean, there was the LA Express around. thing, and then there was Tampa Bay. Yeah. But he's certainly scrutinized. So most scrutinized as a rookie. Uh, the only you got Alex Smith that that it'd be him and Alex and I I was wondering how much his story is going to parallel Alex, Alex Smith I think it's going to be far more intense I was going to say New York media I know that the Bay Area is big but New York's one of a kind I mean I just say, having yeah. the post the post alone changes is there, there's nothing close to the post in L A is there TMZ I guess now used to be the Herald Examiner back in the day but yeah. it's went under. TMZ is the one, though, who would send a crew out the to find somebody, zone. and then, oh, they're not yeah. there, but here's a here's a mega TV star with a oh, quarterback, yeah. Oh, yeah. so we'll take a photo well, and we'll roll with it. TMZ is where I first saw the Trevor Bauer story, and then it got picked up. TMZ is where I first saw the Kobe Bryant story, and then obviously it, it, it blew up in that unfortunate situation. Uh, the Herald Examiner was sort of the New York Post of its time. They offered me a job, and then two days later, the paper folded. It's a good thing I didn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Missed it by that much. I had taken a vacation from work and went up there because it was downtown and I was in the South Bay and worked there on a vacation for a week. Oh, yeah. I got two weeks vacation. I burned one of them working. <laughs> Anything uh, to get ahead. Yeah, 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 exactly. In those days, for sure. And uh, then about a month later, they offered me the job. And then two days later, it, fo- it they announced it was folding. It was, like, it was on a Tuesday. And then on a Thursday, the answer is folding, and then the last edition was like on a Friday. Uh, but no, I think that Zach is going to be under the microscope. And then his mother is flamboyant, and so they've already picked up on that. Now, I get a kick out of her. I, to me, I think she's harmless. Uh, but one little thing. I mean, they, they traced Zach had retweeted something out of a conservative website. So, I mean, you can't do that. you got to be on the right side of history here. Or else, I mean, you're you're a racist through and through, you know, unless you think a certain way. Open-minded people certainly are open-minded. Uh, so the amount of scrutiny he's going to face is because he was he was basically the number one player taken where there was a question. Trevor Lawrence has been the number one pick for three years. And goes to Jacksonville and won't be nearly as scrutinized. 
No. It's New York, baby. And Urban has just an enormous way of attracting attention. Take the spotlight off you a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Only he, the Giants can take the spotlight off the Jets. He's, I mean, he's such a, I don't want to say polarizing, but he's such a monumental figure uh, in everything that he does. A guy, he's, I've never been around it's not, anybody it's like It's more Urban. like gravitational pull. Whatever it is, he's he's something. So, Zach, I believe he's going to succeed. Maybe it's because I want him to succeed. Uh, but Yeah, you're a little worried about what they've got around him, though. You don't do it by, him, for the time, do it by no, yourself. I've, I've said football is the ultimate team game. And the question you just brought up, the lack of experience on the coaching staff. you got a first-time head coach. you got an offensive coordinator who's in his early to mid-30s, which by the NFL standards, very young. Yeah, he was passing game coordinator a couple of years in San Francisco. In Atlanta, he was just listed as an offensive assistant under Shanahan. And so you're buying into, you know, when you have the Shanahan tree, it basically originates with Mike, which goes back to a lot of legendary quarterbacks. So there's a pedigree there for sure. But now you're calling the plays on your own. And every freaking play is going to be scrutinized through and through here because the Jets have got to show some progress. Uh, you, you can't go 2-14 and 14 again. Even though, uh, what was it, Troy Eggman went, or Peyton Manning, one of those guys went like 1-15 his first year. Troy went 1-15, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think that in today's world you can get away with it. I mean, look at Darnold, you know, basically gone and I still think Darnold has an opportunity to be a really good quarterback, and that's probably my Pac-12 bias. But what was it two years, and he's out the door? Well, that's why Brian Costello says timing's everything, and Zach's going to benefit from all the mistakes they made in the in the previous era. Uh, I don't know about that. I think the fan base just has zero patience. So they've got to show some type of progress. But the Dolphins went in last year with Tua, and what? how many games did they win? Seven? What, they, what Eight? What, what were they? And I think he's better than Tua. But, okay, but is the talent there? See, here's the thing. Is there talent on the roster, but Gaze was, the dude was out there. <laughs> I don't know how to well, put that gracefully. Well, man walking, so right. it's like get and over so with. maybe they had more talent than 2-14, and 14. And there's more talent there to to bounce back yeah. a little more quickly. Well, I think to, under their situation, the players the, knew this guy's going nowhere. Dolphins went ten and six last year. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, they overachieved. And, and, in a big and way. yet, Brian Costello says he doesn't believe in him, and he won ten ten ball games. And then Tua didn't have any kind of stats. And, I was going to say it was Tua. It was Fitzpatrick who's more of an engine earlier. Yeah. Uh, so Fitzpatrick yeah, was the last time the Jets won ten. I was going to say that's the last time the Jets uh, had a winning season. Yeah. I suspect that they'll be better just because this coach is going to be there. These players know if I don't listen to him, I'm out the door. Whereas before, why listen to this guy? Because he's he's not going to be around here. This is a waste of time. All right, DJ and PK, we mentioned we got Beast tickets. Let's do that right now. We got a uh, four-pack of tickets to see the Bees. Bees are going to start a six-game homestand against the Sacramento Rivercats. It's going to run July 8th through the 13th. You can go out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets are on sale now at slbees.com. We have four tickets to the game on July 8th. 
This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Wednesday. Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Caller 12. Yach will talk to you and get you hooked up with the tickets to see the Bees on July 8th. That's next week. It wasn't supposed to be awesome. Dan Devine, the ringer, going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. He's coming up in about half an hour right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join Hans and Scotty Friday at The Warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boom! Question of the day. Which one do you want to argue about? We got two. We got one segment here. I'm tired of winning arguments. Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> once you've done it once or twice. Uh, the first one. Or the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how his mood changes over the course of the oh, show? It's Yuck? not true. <laughs> Your mood doesn't change? I agree. It does. Not. It totally does. No, it doesn't. I want to stimulate people in the morning. Have How are think. these NBA teams able to keep winning playoff games without their best players? It's amazing. And the story has been all these injuries. I've actually found it fascinating that these teams lose their top guys and continue to win. That's the story to me. Injuries are not the story because that happens all the time. What is fascinating and impressive is these teams winning without their clearly, without question, best player. That's the story. Lou Williams is basically buried on the bench in Atlanta. He comes over in the trade, right? And he's a sixth man. He shoots in the way I remember him with the Clippers. He hasn't done much. Lou, we need you. Sweet Lou. Gets the job done. That's, so that's is the story. it really these teams or it's the Clippers? These teams. Oh, wait, that's dreams. Uh, yes, it's the Hawks. It's the Clippers. No, it's well, the, the Hawks. Hawks. The no, Hawks. And the Suns won. <clears throat> what a campaign. He went out for like 27, 29 points. Chris Paul, he missed two games. He wasn't injured. It was his protocol. So it's not just the Clippers. No, you say dumb stuff, and then you force me to argue. Oh, you're argumentative. The you're Clippers, right. It's just the Clippers. <clears throat> the Clippers. There. Okay. Good. This. <laughs> this son's his body language. We do need a camera. He's pouting. His body language would totally sell this. We're pouting. Now. Well, yeah. Well, I, that uh, this rap of being argumentative. When the you sons, say it. the sons beat the Lakers because the Lakers had injuries. Oh. Bleep you. That's, <laughs> that is a total disregard and the disrespect were to the up, Suns. The Lakers were up 2-1, AD got hurt, and the Suns won the series. The Jazz were up 2-0, and, or 2-2, and Kawhi got hurt, and the Clippers won the series. Right. And I said it's the Clippers. It's not all these teams. It's, it's the Clippers. No, it's not. It's, I just named you two examples. Campaign goes for 29 Guy sounds like a political thing. Campaign. The Hawks. And well, the, Trey, I thought they were dead. The Hawks and the Bucks 
were the healthiest teams in the East, so they're in the final, and now they both had a major injury, so somebody is going to win without their major star. Who was injured in the, the Sixers in the playoffs? I forget. Ben Simmons. Yeah, mentally. <laughs> well played. That was good. Yeah. The Australians, are, they're having fosters now when he decided not to play for the Olympics. The Nets were the injured team in the East, and they went out. So they didn't, they didn't win with the injuries. Injuries have knocked a lot of teams out. But the Clippers Two. have overcome them so far. Two. I, I can't say the Jazz got knocked out on injury when Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing. That's another example. That's of a wash. Both, both teams have injuries. And that's what we've got in the East right now is both teams have injuries. Trey Young was on the sideline being a cheerleader, and Giannis and, and, is limping and, off the court. And Hawks were going to win that game. They were in charge. But 10-point leads third quarter, it's not done. And you've said that many times. They were going to win that game. We'll never that, know. That's how it felt. They were in charge. And they had taken they, control of They were like late. Charles. The, the loss with the Giannis injury is how bad the Bucks looked in the second quarter. And he's not exactly they Mr. Terrible. Clutch. No, Middleton is taking the clutch. I haven't uh, the book on him is still no, it's still barely written. written. Right, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's complete and total disrespect to Phoenix to say the only reason they won is because Anthony Davis got hurt. I don't think the Lakers are as good this year as they were last year. Agree with that, but still good enough to beat the Suns. You don't know that. That's that in your opinion, and I can't argue with opinion. I can say it's stupid, <laughs> but you can't argue. I can't argue to be conclusive. No, I can't. They were up 2-1. He was going for 34 points a game, and it didn't look like they had an well, answer. Yeah, and he, they lost game one when he was playing. So you're acting like you they don't were up 3-0. You don't win. They don't win every game. Even last year when they won the title, they were still dropping But yet you've games. got them winning two right. more games. And the Suns were... Were hurt themselves at the start of that series because Chris Paul went down with the shoulder, and even you're when he not, was playing, you're clearly not wasn't himself. Your argument there, I know, but I'm telling the truth, and you always want the truth. You say you can handle I know, the truth, but I didn't want to. I'm, no, I'm conceding that point. Right, I, I didn't want to bury you with that because I felt I. But would you feel didn't bad have to. I you. pled guilty. I mean, I know, I knew it was already there. It was already there. So, so the question is. How are the Clippers able to keep winning playoff games? And they have dudes. They have dudes. They do. And they have... They got ballers. Probably depending on how you want to count it, but you can make the argument for 10, 11, or 12. They got ballers. Guys who can make huge, huge baskets. And you got to include Paul George on that because he's elevated his game. Paul George is a true superstar. In this series, anyway. And I don't care if he goes 5 for 20 tonight. It's going to happen. I mean, he's not the purest shooter here. He's not Steph Curry. Uh, so, in defeat, if it should come to that, they he has he certainly has my admiration for sure. And I think he's got a lot of folks. I mean, he, he's... he's I, I think he's shed that reputation. So... He's averaging 30 points a game in this series, as opposed to series where he just slowly collapsed until he was doing nothing at the end of a series. That's not where he is, and he may stink it up tonight. But uh, And plus, I heard a stat. He's, playing, he's played 150 more minutes than the next closest guy in the postseason. 
He's playing over 40 freaking minutes every single game. Nobody does that anymore. He is. So they've got dudes. And to me, it's everything. It, the, the whole NBA, for me, is how it relates to the Jazz. The Jazz are at the center, and everything else is a spoke. Right? How does it relate to the Jazz? And the Clippers, as I look at the Clippers, I just see them having some ballers, some gamers. Get some of those guys. George Niang's making a turnover, and he's slumping his shoulders. That's not going to get it done. I mean, he just looked, he couldn't have looked any less confident. That's not, that's not a baller. And I'm not going to give up on Niang by any stretch. You know, this was basically his first time being a rotational guy where, hey, we're counting on you. We need you. And he didn't come through. Now, I don't take any pleasure in saying that, but you talk about speaking the truth. Everybody would agree on that. And he would agree on that. So I'm not about to give up on him. Go to work and get better. You so hate, a year from now is your time. You hate me bringing up the buyout mar- market, but I think that's how you get around that. Because if you're going to draft guys or pick up the young, overlooked free agent, whether it's undrafted guy or the guy who played in Europe for a couple of years the way Royce did, you got to go through that process where they, where they get up to speed. When you go to the buyout market, you're often buying the veteran who's already had those moments. He had to suffer, but he did it with somebody else one of those other spokes on the wheel you talk about, not with the Jazz. So that's the advantage of the buyout market. And I don't think anybody can say, you can say, well, okay, when you're building a team, did the Jazz outdraft the other team? Or did they outtrade the other team? We've always conceded the Jazz aren't going to build through free agency. Now they hit with Bogey, that's a pretty good signing. He's done some good stuff for him. So four different ways to build, draft, trade, free agency, but you got to look at the buyout market, especially because that's a chance to get the veteran who's a baller, who's been there, who's succeeded sometimes, who's failed sometimes, who is now 31, 32, whatever, and can step in and help you. Yeah, but I think and, the Clippers would win. They would have beat the Jazz without Batum and Reggie Jackson. I'll give you Batum, but I think Reggie had an enormous impact on that series. That would have been a big hole in the Clippers game. And maybe somebody else would have just stepped yeah, in, yeah, yeah. you know? So I can't argue that. Does that but, great author turn man mean anything to you? Man. <laughs> okay, that's not a real author, number one. Number two, that was a movie, not real life. It's my life. Okay. <laughs> may not be your life. It's my life. I just want to be left alone. So, yeah, you, you, you have to make assumptions. I don't want to make assumptions, man. I want, I want to see and make evaluations, not assumptions. Once I start making assumptions, that makes me nervous. So I, I don't think the Clippers' success is built upon the buyout market, of all things. It was a factor, and it's something I think the Jazz are going to have to use to improve themselves going forward. Well, get them earlier. You know, they, they got plenty of veterans. And even without Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith, this franchise has long proven that veterans are willing to come here. That You cannot dispute that you can whatsoever. go back to Starks or Manning or, I don't know, pull another Pete name. Chill cut. <laughs> no, you cannot do that. Why not? Because that didn't work, even remotely. That's not the point. 
The point is veterans willing to come here. I mean, Jeff Green didn't work if you want to go down that road. But he was a veteran willing to come here, clearly. So that's not an issue. They can get those guys. They got to decide what they want to do with all these young guys because they've got a change in management now. And so what does that mean? Do they go? No, there's, there's turnover every year. Do I they, mean, somebody's going to turn over. But did they? But who are they giving up on? And who are they like going to keep Mione investing? And and uh, Brantley and probably other guys I can't even think of now have been here. Uh, Howard or Morgan, I should say. I was thinking Jawan uh, Morgan. Uh, it seems like these guys have been here for a couple years now, so they keep coming back. Azubuke is going to come back, I would think. Uh, so. Uh, find a way to develop them. If they can't develop them, then get them out of here and replace them with guys that you can count on. And and if I need you to sit there for two weeks, sit there for two weeks. And then in the third week, if I need you, be ready. I've I've always said those guys at the end of the bench, they're not paid to play. They're paid to be ready to play. So you can get the buyout market ahead of the game, and it didn't have to come to that. Veterans will come here. There's just no doubt about it. More than ever. Well, they're in win-now mode, so brace for veterans in the offseason. Because they didn't fluke their way to the best regular season record. Let's not forget that. The the playoff ended in disappointing fashion, for sure. But that doesn't take away from the 50-some wins in the first place. Not at all. No, not at all. So the point being, add to it and get yourself better and build some insurance in case of injury. That's what you need to do. The closer you get to the title, the more veterans are going to find the place appealing. It's what a lot of them are chasing. So the closer you get, the more likely they are to be interested. And they'll be available, you know, depending on what they want to do financially and how they decide to go with uh, Mike Conley and all that stuff. This team's close. Put the pedal to metal and take another shot at it next year. This... This playoff loss did not discourage me at all going forward. It disappointed me, but I don't think it discouraged me. You're stronger than most, PK. I think if you step back and you look at it, I can make a compelling case. Who on this team is going to slip? Who on this team is going to be better? Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. Totally agree on Donovan. Royce O'Neal. And that seems ridiculous to Jordan say. Jordan Clarkson. It seems ridiculous to say, coming off that 39-point game, but... I don't think it does seem ridiculous to say. Because you're just highlighting one individual game. He's got more 50-point playoff games in him. True or false? I would say true. I mean, yeah. because he's 24 years old. Uh, so, But, you know, I don't want him to have to go for 50 That'd be great if he didn't have to, but if you need it, it's great that he can. The burden on him on a half an ankle was tremendous. And that's the thing about that closeout game, the burden on Paul George was barely anything. Because other guys were getting it done. Yeah. You got Bucky freaking Dent and Terrence freaking man. Nice. And then, like in game five, when he's 15 to 20, Paul George has got it going on. So, Terrence, I don't need you, big guy. I got this. And he had 
one of the better, if not the best game he's ever played. So good on Paul for doing that. But Donovan, it seemed like every friggin' game, it's on Donovan. Oh, my gosh, he's only got six points at halftime. What's going on? Just getting ready for a third-quarter explosion. Yeah, but now but distribute the points evenly so we don't have to get Ajita and wait until the second-half explosion. We're back in Jersey. Yeah. Ajita! I'm most definitely going to see that uh, Sopranos movie. Does something something about Newark is in the title? The Saints of Newark. The Saints of Newark, man. How about that? Bringing both cultures together. You got Newark, where my father grew up, and you got the Saints. There's a bunch of Saints out here. It's coming together. I'm sure people in Louisiana think this has something to do with them. You got... They ain't Saints. We're Saints here. Bunch of Saints fans down there. Who dat? No, that's just a football team. This is this is real life, my friend. There's a big difference. This is a constant 19 years of education I've had to do. I feel like I got a doctorate in teaching with you. I've had to teach you so much. And you've come around. You're still not there, but you've come around. Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer, joins us next. We'll run all these NBA theories past him. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. He works for Bleacher Report Mo to kill with his with them already over the cap. If they just let Mike Connolly walk away, it's not like they have the money to go replace him. Because they have bird rights and things like that, they can go over the cap to sign it. It's not as easy, you know, as as it just seems logically. You just be like, oh well, you can just go spend the twenty million else, elsewhere. It's not the way it works with with the way the cap is set up in the current situation with the Jazz. They got to resign it, and then from there you can build out. You got to resign Mike Connolly, and you got to start looking at other places and where you can make adjustments. Nothing should really be off the table except Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are coming back next year. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. And Dan Devine joins us now, NBA writer for The Ringer. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today, guys? We're doing well. There are still jazz fans, nursing wounds, healing up. From your perspective... What went wrong? What needs to be fixed? Uh, I think you could start with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley getting hurt. <laughs> I mean, at, at the risk of, of being a very simple man. I am a simple man, though, so you've got to go with what fits. Um, the Jazz were a team that was built all year long on their capacity to break down opponents off the dribble, get the, you know, get the machine sort of working, swing, swing, kick the ball around, and... Uh, create advantageous shot situations, whether it was three-pointers or driving closeouts to get good looks um, or breaking them down in the pick-and-roll to get Rudy Gobert uh, high handoffs at the rim. 
And then when you are without one of your top two ball handlers for the bulk of the postseason, and then when he comes back, he is, uh, you know, not certainly not the all-star caliber player that we had seen from Mike Conley earlier in the season. And then when Donovan Mitchell picks up the knock that he picked up that, that was harming him in terms of his ability to push off and explode and, and you know, win one-on-one matchups, which is sort of the, the elemental building block of a lot of that offense, um, things start to stagnate and slow down. And then when, when that happens, when the Jazz are not outscoring everybody, but the, you know, one of the most high-octane offenses that the league has seen in recent years, you start to see the, uh, the seams a bit in the defensive structure as, on a team that has been tilted more towards offense the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, there's Rudy Gobert covers up a lot of sins. Everybody knows that. Uh, and the issue that you wind up with is there's not a whole, not quite as many one-on-one stoppers uh, to be able to go out and just lock somebody up. You know, Royce O'Neal has, has you know, turned into a really nice player, a great player in Utah, but um, pretty much everybody else was either at a size disadvantage or a physicality disadvantage or a quickness disadvantage in their one-on-one matchups when Utah, Los Angeles went small. And so if the Clippers are dragging Rudy out of the, out of the paint, you need everybody else to be able to win one-on-one defensively and stay in front of their man. And they couldn't do that. And so I don't know that you look at all of that and say this is indicative of you know, fatal flaws and, you know, uh, I know like a poisoned tree that needs to be uprooted or anything like that. I think it's just, you know, the, the theory of who the Jazz were has changed over the past couple of years. It went from we're going to win with defense to, okay, well, that imposes a ceiling on us when we get to the playoffs. We have to be able to generate better offensive possessions. So they did that. They went out and they changed the structure of the team, bringing in Conley, bringing in Bogdanovich, uh, putting so much more of a creative load on Donovan, uh, bringing in Jordan Clarkson, and then pick up a couple of injuries. The offense doesn't look quite the way it normally does, and then that sort of showcases what's up with the defense. So, I mean, all of that is to say the, the, the short answer is you need two way wings who can create, shoot, and also defend. And the bad news about that is every single team in the NBA is looking for the best versions of those guys, and they're pretty hard to find. One of the things that bothered me is that they got contributions from guys in the regular season that they didn't get to the level or certainly didn't get above the level of what they had done in the regular season. And you look at some of these teams, obviously the Clippers, uh, Phoenix with uh, campaign, uh, and Lou Williams comes off the bench when Trey Young can't play, and these guys produce beyond what we've expected. And when I look at the Jazz bench, nobody produced even what I thought they were capable of, let alone beyond as far as that goes. And so they're having this struggle as they got a bunch of younger guys on the bench. Uh, do you develop them? Uh, but I got to win now. It, it, it's a dilemma there. So you're in charge. Uh, do you try to develop these guys in the bench, or do you just move away from them and try to bring in better players that, even if they don't get to play for a few games when they're called upon, they can come in there and do well? I mean, I think it's got to be a little of column A and a little of column B, right? I mean, to, to some degree, it's because you are uh, – the, the, you know, the guys you mentioned who have uh, outperformed perhaps their, rep- uh, their reputation or you know, uh, wound up producing uh, over and above what, they, what you would have anticipated from them, you're talking about guys who can break people down off the dribble and create shots. And that's you – know, I think we see that uh, play up in the postseason just about every year. And – 
you know, the Jazz have one of those guys, and he was so good during the regular season that he won sixth man of the year. Um, but what makes Jordan Clarkson a sixth man as opposed to a superstar shooting guard is that he does that every other night as opposed to every night, right? And I think that's kind of the issue. Or, or, or you, you can't bank on him doing it for you know, 25 in an elimination game every night. You, sometimes it happens and he can carry your offense for a quarter. Sometimes it's, you know, three for nine or three for ten, and you're wondering when, you know, when the next shot's going to go down. Um, so to some degree, you know, you've, you've made your, your bed in terms of, of extending him. I think there was, it was a move that they had to make, you know, to, to resign him. They, it was a, he's a vital part of the team, and he performed great. He's performed great uh, essentially since he got there. Uh, did not have the postseason he wanted, but I think that's true, as you mentioned, sort of up and down the roster. I think the issue is, you know, you're, you're already locked in with uh, the Gobert extension, with the Donovan extension, with uh, Clarkson now on the, board, on, the, on the books, and then probably, in all likelihood, they're going to, you know, you're a capped out team, you're over the cap, you're going to have to go use the bird rights to try to bring back Mike Conley because you can't just get nothing. You let him walk for nothing. You don't have the cap space to replace what he brings, uh, and he's been great. So you're operating as an over-the-cap team without much flexibility to bring in a whole lot of talent. So I think you know you can look for you know guys that you might be able to, to target with your mid-level exception or, or something like that. Uh, you know the sort of the smaller around the margins additions that you can sign in free agency. But you're going to have to see what you can you know develop with. A guy like you know Mieoni or you know the the other sort of recent draft picks like is you know are you going to be able to hit a home run again with Jarrell Brantley or something like that? Juwan Morgan are these guys, you know the kind of guys where like you can get some player you know the player development system that has churned out so many positive contributors in Utah can those guys kind of play up uh, with some more time, some more reps, and some more seasoning and uh, and then you, you know beyond that it's you know you have to try to like work the margins because you've made your big bets. You've bet on Donovan. You've bet on Rudy. You've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you're going to be betting on Conley. Uh, you know, you, you've bet on Clarkson. You've made those decisions. So now it's, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of money to play with. So it, it, it needs to be we do better with what we have. We, you know, chalk up some of this injury and some of it. We try to, you know, get in the lab and, dis- and dissect where we fell short in terms of defensive scheme or is there a way we can coach up some of the, some of the guys on that end. And then you, you, know, you put everything you can into getting those younger pieces on the fringes of the roster to be more playable when it matters most. So losing to a Clipper team that has got four guys who contributed at different times who are only getting paid $7 million. It is possible to get production out of not a lot of money. It's not easy. 100%. 100%. Nobody, nobody knew Terrence Mann's name last year. And now, you know, like that's, so that's the, I mean, it's about, but it's about the right guys, right? It's about finding the right kind of players. Mann plays up because he is a, you know, big guard, small wing with length, athleticism, who can shoot, and who is a north-south attacker who can defend multiple positions. Again, not easy to find guys who can check all those boxes, but when it, you, they, they are out there. There are guys who, can, who fit those bills. It's about finding those kind of guys. We, and you want to find them now as opposed to having to pay the market rate for them because when, if Terrence Mann keeps doing this, when he gets to free agency, he's going to be in line for a gigantic raise. You've got to be on the early side of that, for, of that uh, growth curve rather than the later one. Well, they're early with him, but Batum, Jackson, and Cousins will all be free agents in the offseason. They're not making any money either, and at different times they've all given them something. Yeah, and, and I think so. some of that is 
But I mean, those are also, with the exception of Batum, and Batum was a somebody I wrote about early in the season. I thought he made a ton of sense. I think I had even talked to, talked about him a little bit last year, where it's like that's a guy who has been in sort of a depressed situation in Charlotte, um, where he's been injured a bit and also just hasn't really played in games of consequence for a while. But he fits the bill of a guy who, when he gets an opportunity can check off a lot of boxes and, and, and in a, a better context surrounded by better talent where he becomes like a floor raiser or an amplifier as opposed to needing to be a number one or number two guy. Uh, he's somebody that can, that can make an impact. But, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is coming off of, you know, a series of, of massive injuries that effectively, I mean, it seemed like it was going to end his career. Um, you know, the, uh, there are guys uh, sort of up and down these rosters where we're seeing tra- and also Cousins is, a, is still a li- like liability. You saw that the other night. I mean, yes, he, he put up 15 points and was a, was a massive contributor in that, in, in the offensive, uh, on the offensive end for them, but Phoenix went at him in pick and roll every time they got a chance to, and they were getting buckets almost every time they got a chance to. So it's about, it's not just can you find the talent, I and mean, that's, that's hugely important, but it's also can you put the talent in position to succeed, and also are, can you be, can you, are you willing to and are you able to live with sort of the, uh, the bruises in that apple? Can you, can you make it through the warts and live with those to be able to get, you know, uh, maximize what you can get out of them? And so the Clippers are able, have, have been able to do that because, you know, Paul George is standing on his head at this point because, you know, and, and earlier on, so they had Kawhi Leonard. You know, when you've, when you've got the sort of, num- you know, number one or number two, like the, 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 the big marquee players to contribute in that way, it gives sort of more space and more freedom for the other guys to, to sort of get in where they fit in and contribute in smaller roles or, again, you know, playing up against somebody's fourth or fifth best defender or only against second unit lineups, so on and so forth. So um, for the Jazz, what that means is, you need Donovan Mitchell to be great. You need Donovan Mitchell to be great every night. And he, I mean, that, I think that's one thing you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater here. Donovan Mitchell was tremendous in this postseason. And, I mean, I'm somebody who has been uh, skeptical to, to some degree about whether or not a guy, you know, 6'1 or 6'2 can be your all-time creator, that can be the guy who is going to be going uh, head-to-head with these big wings who can sort of, you know, are somewhat more matchup depend or matchup-proof, rather. Um, and Donovan Mitchell was, you know, on fire. He was incredible um, before he picked up that knock. And so I think you, you, you come out of it feeling better about his capacity to be the guy who carries the offense and makes things easier for everybody else. But uh, you still, you know, you're still going to need more of those players who can match up on the wing, and you're still going to need more players who can contribute on both ends to, to fit in around him and Rudy. What'd you make of the Dennis Lindsay situation? I'll be honest with you. I don't really. I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, you know, Dennis Lindsay's. I was he only 51, 52 years old. So it's not like this is him saying I'm walking off into the sunset necessarily. Um, you wouldn't be surprised to see him, especially with the track record that he built up in Utah of uh, developing that core and you know building a perennial contender there. Uh, the, you know, the, the sort of from the, the midstream rebuild with after losing Gordon Hayward for nothing is is you know that's the kind of thing that mid-market teams or smaller market teams just aren't supposed to be able to do. So um, I was a little surprised to see him go. But also, I mean, I think maybe the, the, the underspoken part in some of these things is that these are incredibly high-pressure jobs, and if you're doing them for a long time in one setting, maybe that just sort of grinds you down. Um, and so maybe there's part of it where it's just 
you know, this is uh, an opportunity for a reset for him, or, and, or maybe the Jazz are looking at it and saying, we think, uh, to, to the point that we've sort of been discussing, the theory of our team changed, and we, had, we, we made a different sort of uh, stylistic calculation in terms of how we want to build out our roster and what kind of team we want to be. And then for that to hit into a ceiling or to feel like it hit into a ceiling also, maybe there was a calculation of we might need to have a different uh, approach to what the theory is going to be moving forward. And so well, you know, we'll see. Sometimes change can be good. It can uh, you know, elevate new voices. It can bring in new ideas. Uh, it can you know, wind up creating sort of a different way of looking at things. And sometimes you, know, you, you wind up uh, you know, you know, looking back for, and you know, wishing for a little bit more of what you have. But I, I think the, 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 re, the remaining brain trust, I think you still feel very confident in the work that those you know those uh, those guys have done, uh, and you know it'll be interesting to see where you know if Lindsay's name starts coming up as, as job openings you know around the league uh, pick up you know this you know not, maybe not this summer I'm not sure how many front office changes you're going to see but you know moving on down the line. There are plenty of Jazz fans who believe they just missed the best chance ever to win a championship. Uh, a lot of that's based on all the injuries around the league. But how good do you see the Jazz being going forward? How good can they be next year? I mean, I don't see any reason to think that they can't continue to be in that uh, upper echelon of the West. I think the, the 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 sort of the general underpinnings of what they are, at least as a regular, you know, as a regular season team. You know, the, the ability to have a consistently good defense, you know, as long as you've got Rudy Gobert in the middle and, and healthy and available, you're going to have a top-tier defense. Um, I think, you again, you come out of this postseason feeling really good about what an offense led by Donovan Mitchell can be, especially as he continues to expand his range, expand you know, the volume and the ability that he has to pull off the dribble, uh, and all that can open up for him and for, for his teammates. Uh, you bring back, I'm assuming you bring back Conley, and you know there the there's a you have the core of a you know top five ish team on both ends of the court coming back. So I think if that's true, and you are you know uh, we'd have no idea what injuries are going to look like. Uh, I mean we're also going to be coming off another shortened off season uh, for a lot of teams too. So you know with the last year we saw that uh, wreaked havoc on the teams that made it deep into the bubble. Who knows if it's going to be a similar story for the teams that made it deep into the, into the, the, the playoffs this year as well. But uh, I think you, as, as long as you have those sort of baseline fundamentals, you feel pretty good about what they can be as a regular season team. And if that's true, and you're talking about a team that's going to you know, be in the mix for home court advantage in the playoffs, like, that's a, a starting point that I think more, you know, at least more than half the league would feel pretty good about. Um, but I think that there, I mean, there are big questions. There's big questions about uh, you know, what they look like if they have to walk into a series against teams that have two, another, you know, more series against teams that have like two or three of those kind of top end guys, especially the ones that are big wing creators or that are two way, more more complete two way answers than uh, Donovan or Rudy can be, because given the nature of their games, so um, it's not a satisfying answer. But I, I mean, I think where we come out, I don't know that I come out of it a whole lot different than I went into it with the Jazz, where I was like. That's clearly an excellent team that has a, that can beat you in a couple of different ways, but there are it's it's not laden with two way guys who can sort of solve any problem on the fly. You need to find more of those guys in whatever capacities you can find them, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through the sort of bargain basement signings, whether it's getting lucky with development, that kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, I think the the the, the they're going to be. As long as you've got Donovan and Rudy, I think you're in the mix. I think you're in the mix for a home court seed. Um, And then it's about where the bounces and the breaks go from there. 
There's some talk around the Blazers and Damian Lillard. You think there's a possibility some action could happen there? I mean, I would. I honestly would. I would be surprised if he. If this is him, he's gone this summer. This feels more like, and this is you know based on. This is pure speculation, but it feels to me more like, okay, I'm now not very happy with the way things are, are have been running. I, I, I've been, I've given nothing but my commitment to this organization. I've played at an MVP level year after year. Uh, you know, been sort of the, the clutch answer that allows us to outperform our underlying metrics and all that stuff and keeps us in the mix. And I don't know that I feel like we are making the best choices as an organization in terms of how to surround me with a bit with talent and, uh, you know, put us in the best position to succeed. So I'm going to start shaking the table a little bit. But that's, that, I, that to me reads in terms of like the steps that this goes in, like, make things better for me here rather than get me out of here to something better. That's, I mean, just my read on it from 3,000 miles away. I, have no, I, I don't know, but I will say that the more, the messier it gets in Portland, first with Neil Shea uh, firing Terry Stotts and then going out and giving a press conference where he was saying, like, the roster is not the problem, essentially absolving himself of any blame in the situation and saying, I put together a, a championship caliber roster. It's on somebody. We've got to find somebody else that can make it so. And then following that up with a coaching search that – turned pretty toxic pretty fast uh, where Blazers fans uh, had a real uh, you know many Blazers fans had a real reaction, a real negative reaction to the idea of hiring Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups uh, as the head coach for you know, their, their legal issues with respect to domestic violence or rape cases in the past. That became something that was a huge deal and obviously uh, was not responded to very well by Portland in their introductory press conference yesterday where they were not going to give any more information about why, what made, made them comfortable about Chauncey Billups being there, not even answering follow-up questions from reporters about uh, what Chauncey Billups learned from that experience, all those sorts of things. It feels like the, the, the way things are working in Portland is, is trending downward and maybe is not a working environment that if I was a superstar player, I might want to continue to stick around in. So if that keeps getting messier and worse, things could pick up with Dame. But I think my guess for right now is that it's – Make things better here, and then if that does not happen over the course of this, you know, this next season, uh, then it's you know, then it maybe becomes I want something better somewhere else. He signed for four more years, so I could see where for two years he doesn't have that much leverage to force into trade. But boy, in two years, the pendulum is swinging big time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and uh, the the thing that happens now, we're seeing it more and like, earlier and earlier with stars, right? You know, it's four years. Four years is, is an awfully big pill to swallow, but. You know, we've seen stars force their way out with two years left. Um, you know, could it? And once that's happening, you know, is it insane to think that it could be three years? It, it, it's it's um, generally speaking, the rule has been if a star on this level, not just like a guy who's a nice player, but a guy who is an All NBA first and second team kind of rainmaker, an MVP candidate kind of player. If that guy wants something to happen, it's probably going to happen. So the question then becomes, at what point does Damian Lillard say, I want something to happen, or I want this particular thing to happen? And I think that the reporting to this point leaves us short of that. 
but I think it also leads us a lot closer to that than we've been at any point during his tenure as a Blazer, and I think that has to be uh, you know, fans in Portland and uh, the remaining power brokers in the Blazers organization feel, feel a little bit skittish. Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Take care. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it is time for your feedback. Reacting to the question of the day, how are these NBA teams able to keep winning playoff games without their best players? And Lex says, they were all stars in college. Some never get a chance to become NBA stars because playing time and shots are going elsewhere. Give them opportunity and they become who they always were. Stars? Everybody's a star? Everybody is. Jeez. (laughs) Jonathan says, Jonathan Taverneri, former BYU Cougar, at any given moment, there are 510 players in the world with an NBA contract. Throwing 20 dudes in the G League who could crack a rotation, along with another 20 or so overseas who are also big time, that's 550 dudes out of 8 billion who are NBA level. Hashtag perspective. And that's fortunately I have it. You do? Yeah. Perspective. No, NBA talent. When you wake up to DJ and PK, and PK's in an argumentative mood, and he's got a guy grabbing popcorn, leaning back, and enjoying the show. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to come in right off the bat. You're right, DJ. You're right, DJ. You're right, DJ. You're right, DJ. (laughs) Oh, passive-aggressive argument. You're right, DJ. I agree with you. Everything you say is right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I look forward to tomorrow already. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And by Friday, we'd be unemployed. You'd say, I can't believe today was a lousy day. Mike says the bench on those teams is stepping up and playing big when they need it. It's opposite of what the Jazzes did. Yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell, man. Can you really be argumentative if you're talking about sports? In a sports sense. Which is meaningless. Not real. <laughs> <laughs> If this is the worst thing going on in your life, you are winning at life. Yeah. I'd say, first of all, the best players are overrated. For who? Oh, just generally speaking? Right. And that's why you can replace the best players, because they weren't that much better than the role players in the first place. They got the stats because they got the ball and they got the shots. And everyone has to defer to Well, I think what he's saying is that if they would have given the ball to Jimmer, he'd be an (laughs) all-star. I think that's the issue here. Peel away, and if you look a little deeper, I think that's the point. Tyler says, PK says there wasn't anyone available in the draft, but Desmond Bain was there, and all the fans on Twitter wanted him. He played great for Memphis. Seems like this was one the fans would have made a better decision than the pros. If we're going to judge it on one season, I suppose Desmond Bain is the bane of Dennis Lindsay's existence. <laughs> really like what you did with the word bane there. But I, I, I got to admit, I'm now missing your point. <laughs> you can't make evaluations off of a season. Desmond Bain. I don't remember the outcry for Desmond Bain. You're not on Twitter enough, right? I guess so. Maybe yeah. maybe that's what it was, yeah. And I, and I don't know. I, the, the number of people wanted, I'm sure some people did, but I wonder how many people 
did and how much of that is, you know, the, I was there when you scored 40. Well, then there were 100,000 people there because there are only 40 people in the gym and everybody talks about it. Good. All right, we're out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up next. See you tomorrow.